Give us a drink, pal. Got a joint? Hey, Rockefeller, how'd you like candy? She said you were kind of kinky, huh? Don't ever speak to me. Don't ever speak to me again. Do you understand? Good. I hope you get your head chopped off, asshole. Welcome to Cinemigos, a podcast all about expanding the cinematic horizons of its hosts, John. Okay, sir, you're a Lebowski, I'm a Lebowski, that's terrific. Rob. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? And Hydroburn. What country you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? Welcome to Cinemigos, a podcast all about expanding the cinematic horizons of its hosts and hopefully its listeners. I'm your host tonight, Hydroberg of the Clan of Berg, and joining me are my co-hosts, the ancient sword expert and resident cinematic archaeologist, Roberto, and of course, our very own immortal cart killer, aka John Kinetic Onslaught. What's up, fellas? You're... Is this is this a gathering? Or is, I was going to say, welcome to the one, gathering. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the gathering. This is the gathering. I like that. I like that. Tonight we're covering 1986's Highlander. Yeah, well, right. why 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 are we uh covering it, uh Heidelberg? Uh well, this is my pick. And um I picked this uh my brother introduced me to this film when I was younger, and I found it fascinating and the villain I thought was terrifying. I was absorbed into this world and with this like queen soundtrack. Uh, the film oh, just yeah. felt like epic when I was younger, and it just like I always thought it was just a great premise for a film. Um, had either of you guys um, seen this one? No, uh, I I'd always heard about Highlander. I had a I had a history teacher back in like middle school who was one of those huge like Highlander nerds. I mean, he constantly talked about Highlander, so I'd always known about like the TV series and the movies and stuff like that. But I just it was some a movie I never went to see. And I don't know why, because this movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, that you, was a blank spot. Nope, yep, that was a blank spot oh. for me too. Another one of those things where, uh, like I said, it's obviously a, you know a popular movie. Uh, I've a hundred percent heard of it, right? And familiar with even like some some certain scenes where it's like, oh, you know, you just kind of like uh, seeing him on the on the ridge when the horse rears up and the lightning's coming down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just some iconic parts that for sure is like, oh, okay, yeah. But no, it, it was definitely not something I had seen. Nice, man. Double bubble. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, do you want to talk about how we how we got to the film and then we can get into our spo- uh, patented Heidelberg spoiler warning and synopsis? Sure. All right. Well, so originally this film was going to be titled The Dark Knight, I, <laughs> which I found out, which I yeah. thought was kind of hilarious. Uh, and the film was the dream child of Gregory Wyden. Uh, he's a, a pretty famous Hollywood writer. He was a 
he actually was a firefighter at the time when he was writing this and it was a class mm-hmm. project that he put together but he did highlander backdraft uh and the prophecy and he was oh, wow. the writer director of the prophecy nice all of them uh, like just said, like the beginning like the first one uh i think it was just the first one nice yeah the black the, knight uh, was referring to um clancy's character too yeah that it's kind of like that was the idea behind that um but uh yeah like i said this is a screenplay that he wrote while he was at ucla got the ucla hat here for him Oh, nice. Um, nice. nice and he uh used inspiration from uh ridley scott uh, uh the ridley scott film the duelist uh a film we should probably cover at some point with harvey keitel or cartel if he has heidelberg mm. uh Shut and up, this yeah <laughs> uh the script was sold for two hundred thousand dollars and uh ended up the script was changed quite a bit after it was sold uh but obviously it has developed a very strong cult following that uh lasts to this day yeah and yeah like when we uh after we get started we will talk about the director and all the people involved yeah it's uh yeah i think it's like an iconic film it's a it's definitely in there with in pop culture so like i think a lot of people might be aware of it without having seen it yeah it's one of those things like where you you know of highlander even though you've never seen the film yeah i mean there was a tv show too for a while there so people are aware of it of at least seeing it maybe on the television screen or hearing of it you know what i mean yeah i mean everyone knows the the phrase there can only be one uh (laughs) no it's there can be only one (laughs) not there can only be one that's different anyway um yeah should i shall i give us the spoiler warning let's do it do it spoiler alert meow 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 spoiler warning (laughs) (laughs) all right ready yeah let's do it an immortal scottish swordsman must confront the last of his immortal opponents a murderous brutal barbarian who lusts for the fabled prize Nice, Wallace. straight to the point, dude. Just... Yeah, bro. I saw uh, that so early this... on, too. This is a canon film, which usually means like a good time, I think. Yes, uh, it is it is always a good time. Now, whether that makes a good film or not, that's that's well, another question to be. Some of their films are like so bad, they're good sort of films. But in retrospect, yeah. like their catalog of films, I think. It's very interesting. Good films, man. So yeah. Now that you're looking at if you like 80s stuff, you know. Uh, so this sure. was directed by Russell Mulcahy. It's our second Russell Mulcahy film in a row after that awesomeness that we had last week with uh, Ricochet. Uh, yeah, I think this I think this is a much better Seems film like than he Ricochet. Cut his teeth. It's so weird to, that he did this and then with Ricochet, it's like an, a later film, but it's Rick, just so... Ricochet felt like more like he was brought on kind of at the yeah, last second knowing done. that he's a, a good director. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can you save this? <laughs> Because they they changed like sense. directors and they should have said yeah, because I watched behind the scenes and like he was super involved in this one. Yes, this, it, he was. This was his. He was so excited about this, and uh, so yeah, he's done films like uh like we talked about Razorback. Uh, that was what got him noticed for this. Cause and now Razorback's not a great film, but some of the cinema uh, cinematography choices that he was making in that. Uh, really got the production company really excited uh, for him to be a director for this. And obviously, I think it pays off. Um, and he got his start doing music videos with artists like ACDC, Paul McCartney, Elton John, Duran Duran, and many, many others. 
Uh, like I said, he got talked, he got noticed by the producers for his debut film Razorback. And many of the, the shots that he created in this film have been uh, replicated many times over. A lot of the uh, the transfer shots from like one scene to the next. That was revolutionary that Mulcahy yeah, there's put some together actual, for this. It's film. in my notes. There's some cool transfers. Super yeah. good transfers, for sure. Yeah, some cool editing in this film. But yeah, let's let's get into the film. Uh, so right off the bat, we get this intro by Connery. Uh, it, so he's like, um, I wrote it down here. From the dawn of time, we came, moving silently down through the centuries, living many secret lives, struggling to reach the time of the gathering, when the few who remain will battle to the last. No one has ever known we were among you until now. Oh, nice. Kill them out now, dog. And then Did we you just pull that out the pocket, or have you been working on that all week? Dude? No, no, no. I've kind of I worked on it like twice. I ran through it twice, and then I, was I like, see right, it. That's yeah. good enough. It's not, not it's bad. Not quite going to hit, but I see it. I see good it. enough. So, but um, we get that kick ass soundtrack. Just kicks right in though, right after. Bro, yeah, dude, just smacks you. Just and it's just a vibe. So I want to talk about this soundtrack real quick since we're since you're bringing it up right now. Yeah. I'm, well, uh, you mentioned you know, he was um in music videos, so I think yeah, that probably helped secure the soundtrack. That helps for sure. For sure. The so Queen, this is the second movie that Queen did the soundtrack for. Uh, mm. Fla- uh, Flash Gordon, a movie that we're going to be doing here sometime yeah, in the future, on. is their first, and that obviously didn't do very well. And so they were actually kind of concerned that maybe they wouldn't be interested in doing another project for a film. And so uh, I think one of the stipulations is like, well, we want to see like what the script is. We want to see like what we're getting ourselves into. If it's something that we're interested in, we're all in. And it turns out that they were. Uh, the the actual um, uh, composer of the film was uh, uh, Michael Kamen. Uh, he'd oh, done yes. films like The Dead Zone, Life Force, Lethal Weapon. Ooh, nice. uh, and he's so he's a really good composer, did some great movies. But what I thought was brilliant is Michael Kamen utilizing Queen's songs and putting that into like kind of the orchestral soundtrack as well, because mm-hmm. you you see a lot of those songs being kind of uh, you feel like the orchestral beat that is uh, that really enhances the Queen soundtrack as well. And it's just a brilliant idea for this and it just i think it makes this movie so much cooler there's that main theme that they have the no one wants to live forever that place throughout yeah they're all dude that oh there's moments where it's just instrumental yeah there's moments where it's lyrical yeah it's great it's funny because we've talked about this right and this is definitely one where i felt like i i i had the music guy yeah pick out the soundtrack and it was like it definitely stood out and as someone who typically is just like that shit doesn't even you know really hit my radar it was like oh shit okay eh, <laughs> all right mm-hmm. just kept there's just moments got, where hey, it just hits they got john to notice it so that means it's, it must be an awesome soundtrack yeah, bro. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think it does it's utilized quite well in this film um it's it's definitely it's a vibe i i, I like it right off the bat too um yeah, that we get Christopher Lambert. I think he was really like on the come up at this point, and I feel like he was like a rising star. But I always felt like his career kind of like could have gone further. And he, so he was let, rated though, John. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so let let's talk. Let's talk about maybe Christopher he Lambert. Right there, yeah. yeah, let's talk about him. Uh, Connor McLeod. He's been in Highlander. He's in pretty much the the Highlander films, Highlander two and three, as well as this one. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we got some Mortal Kombat uh, uh, archaeology here. He was Fuck Lord man. Raiden in the Mo- uh, Mortal Kombat. He God was of also Thunder. The voice. I think it's important yeah. to note he was the God of Thunder. Yeah. And, you know, the only reason they picked him is he's the, th- he, you know, the Thunder in this movie. He's able mm-hmm. to call it that. This is, it's yeah. symbolism, bro. It's exactly. Bingo, sir. He's also the voice actor for Raiden in Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah, the movie that got him noticed uh, for for this is a movie called Graystroke, where he's essentially, I think, Tarzan. Tarzan. Yeah, Yeah, and he looks fucking fantastic in that film. Let me tell you. Tarzan brought back to, uh, you know, his estate. uh, Yeah. From the wild and then learning to, like, be civilized again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, an it's a film. good film, actually. What I didn't uh, know was, too, that like Lambert's just straight up like a Frenchman. And like he yes. didn't even speak English when he took this. No, role. he didn't. They oh, found sure. him. They were like, this is our guy. And they're like, well, he doesn't speak English. So, like, we'll handle it. That's he, he <laughs> so, what we want. Yeah, here's the th- here's the thing about that. He um, so he didn't want to have some other guy do his voice. He didn't want to have his voice dubbed over. Mm-hmm. So all the they actually re, he he Lambert himself worked very hard on getting the English pronunciation as as best as he could. Yeah. And they ADR'd his voice in afterwards because he really worked. He worked hours and hours and hours trying to get the trying to get it right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it worked. I think he did a fantastic job for not being able to speak English at the time. Now that scene makes so much more sense when that guy tells him he sounds funny, dude. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's and like, plus he's like a, supposed to be a Scotsman, and then he's a Scotsman who's traveled yeah. throughout the world throughout his life. Yeah, you know it, what I mean? it, it works. Forever, he's picked up accents everywhere he's gone. Now, had yeah. this been had this movie been done twenty years earlier, Sean Connery would be in that role. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Uh, definitely. But then we uh, we, so we go back to modern day um, here because this this film jumps around a lot from flashbacks yeah. to modern day. Um, and there's like this awesome, just like classic wrestling match just happening here at the garden. So and sick, just, yeah, yeah, just like the queen music cuts right into it, and it's like boom, yeah. boom, boom, and we just get in the lights flashing in this cool, yeah, like, dude, arena. It, it gets you pumped up right away. Yeah, yeah. the um, I, I the shot that they yeah, use, so there's this uh, drone style shot here. It almost right? I was thinking of Dirty Harry. This zoom around. So I'm thinking I was wondering how they might have may achieve this shot. And I was thinking two crane shots, one that comes in around and then there's a transfer to another crane shot that brings it back the next the, the rest of the way. Right. And so it like pivots, I, and then they do these yeah, edits. Yeah, they. I think the they train. they said that they use like some sort of like zip line or something like that for okay. like the, that for, the for the zoom in shot to Connor McLeod. That was okay. that was a zip line shot with the camera. But yeah, they did have several crane shots that they used, and but it yeah, felt it's very impressive. much like they they borrowed that from Dirty Harry because it looks very similar to that. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, techniques for sure. You know, if they're used on the first time for Dirty Harry, let's say, and then they get passed down for sure, or it just becomes um, you know, it's, 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 already, not the, it's not the same type of shot, but like it's definitely inspired in the, by in that. I would imagine. I don't know. I mean. And the shot itself could just be you love to tie shit into your older films. You love to do that. Not everything's connected, Rob. I'm just it, okay, whatever. I you sometimes know, you do. I mean, I get it. It's probably part of the MCU at some point, but <laughs> it all tie it all ties back to pool hall junkies. We all know that. I mean, Come it's on. a similar effect for sure, though. Um, yeah, 
Maybe yeah. that's all I'm saying. Way. It looks very similar. Not, oh, yeah, and, not, and it could have been inspired. I mean, we don't know. I don't know. I'm not really going to argue with you on that one for sure. But I just do always notice that you're like, yep, um, here he goes. He's going to try and pull one. Oh, yeah, sure. dirty hair. Yeah. But it's a good yep. way to get our listeners to listen to older episodes. So I appreciate that. Hey, you know, listen to that Dirty Harry episode. It's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I think it's episode 12. Uh, back to the... Uh, this is a great shot, though. I love the way they establish what's going on. And then we zoom in to Connor, who's like... This is an entire uh, stadium filled with people. Everybody's cheering, except for this one guy. Just brooding. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that. Uh, it also kind of has uh, like a very like kind of noir look. Because everyone else is kind of mm -hmm. casting shadows. But they're mm -hmm. focusing... Like, the light is focusing on... His eyes, which is so cool. And actually, what was so here's what it was supposed to be initially. Uh, this shot, it was not supposed to be a wrestling match. It was supposed to be a hockey, it was supposed to be a hockey game at Madison Square Garden. It was supposed to be the uh, I think the Rangers. Mm -hmm. Uh it was supposed to be a Rangers game, and then a hockey fight breaks out, and that's what sparks uh Connor McLeod's like memory to the oh, past of the him battle. in the fight. Makes sense. Instead yeah, of the guy which... in his ear, the New Yorker guy's like, yeah, get him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, look, it's Bird. Yeah, I know, right? It does, but it does. It connects us to his past. He gets these glimpses. We get these visions of this ancient battlefield. Um, and he's there for another reason uh, besides the wrestling match in the present. Um, down in the parking garage, he heads. There's this dope Mustang down there, I noticed, too. This, like, boss Mustang. All the cars yeah. down here actually look really kind of cool. Fuck yeah, they do. Um, this isn't the garden I saw it too. This is uh someplace in England. This is a parking. Oh, garage. really? In yep. England, yeah, it's it was yeah. it was supposed to represent Madison Square Garden. That's yeah. kind of like where he's because it's there are some things yeah. that are done in New York. Yeah, they use the entrance when he pulls but out. There's later. a lot of stuff done at like Shepherdin Studios mm -hmm. in England, it's and cool, there is a lot of on location shots in Scotland. Had they done the garden, they wouldn't have been able to do all the cool electrical stuff and shit that they did down there. So yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's because it's a cool scene. So. We're down in the parking garage and Connor's attacked by this like businessman who carries like a sword and calls him McLeod. And so we 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 get his name right there, um, so, which is, I think, uh, important. His name. It's mentioned. Yeah. Lot, so yeah. Uh, his name, the guy that attacks him, that that's a guy, a guy by the name of Peter Diamond. Uh, he plays Iman Fossil. That is a stuntman, one of the stuntman coordinators for mm -hmm. Highlander and many other films. Uh, we talked about him. Uh, back on our Princess Bride episode, him and um, Bob Anderson, uh, they were the the stunt coordinators on the Princess Bride, as a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but yeah, he uh, uh, he also did you know he did films like Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, many like films like that. He he was a stuntman, uh, did a, and was in a lot Sounds of like swords are part of his yeah, like too. anything with like swords or you know crazy stunts. Peter mm. Diamond is in those films and like a lot of these iconic films that you love, he's in it. Nice. Uh Connor pulls out like this nice katana. And then his assailant pulls out what I think is a Spanish style rapier, I want I want to say. Yes. Um, it's yeah. a it's a I think it's like a French rapier or like or oh, a, a, a Spanish rapier, style yeah. too or um but yeah, I, I like the difference in swords here too and I like how each immortal has like their own fighting style and carries their own style of blade like it's I think it's yeah. adds to the lore of this uh, film. It's which great. Is interesting, yeah. And the aesthetic of each um, immortal being different, which I used to think they were called Highlanders. Like, that's what I associated. But it's just our guy who's the Highlander. Because Everybody else is just Scotland. an immortal, you know. And the, yeah. and the Krugan or Kurgan, he's like, there are people, they're basically like barbarians. Um, 
per se. He's a he's a Russian a race of uh, barbarians. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's attacked by this dude. Uh, they go into it, and the two start brawling. It's a lot of sparks, and then like the emphasizes kind of like the sheer strength of these guys, and that how good with they are with these blades, and like there's like this energy around them as the lights flicker and shit. Right. It's all pretty cool practical effects, I think. Yeah, it's like it, there's it's almost like they're uh, like the swords are an extension of their power. Absolutely. You know, it, it's yeah, it's because it, like yeah, we saw we saw like the lightning, uh, or we will see the lightning in like uh, in it's one like of their flashbacks, but uh, it's a conduit, like this, you know, into them, right? And like the sword is kind of like the a conduit to the lightning that's like within them. Like I think yeah. that's yeah, a symbol of like their power, and it's mm-hmm. that's what like makes. All the fucking cars explode in the goddamn garage. Absolutely, it's yeah, crazy, yeah. and it's different with everybody too, sort of. But um, and their fight's sort of unconventional. It's they they have this like little cat and mouse moments um going on. It's a little tense. Yeah, too, like hide and seek. I love that they. <laughs> this part got me. They show the dude doing these backflips though through the parking lot. Yeah, for some reason I'm like, what is this supposed to be like? Is this supposed to look cool? Because it's like kind of. I silly. think Peter. I think Peter Diamond was just trying to show off. Because <laughs> yeah, he, it like, doesn't. Oh, look like, what but, I can do. He doesn't have his sword on him when he does it. And then he's like an older man. So I'm like thinking like they might have show that he's like no ordinary older businessman. You know what I mean? There's something to him. Oh, sure. Which is maybe like in his past, maybe he was like uh, in like a circus or something like that. And yeah, but it's just so weird because there's like a moment where like Connor's looking into the car and then he looks up and then you see this dude like doing backflips or whatever. And like and then Connor just sort of like looks at him like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's just doing back handsprings for fucking. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he got this. Then he's just walking around again. Next scene with like his sword in his hand. It's sort of weird. It's yeah, it's kind of jarring. Um, but yeah, Connor uh gets the best of him here. He beheads him. I think it's pretty cool. He gets his blade stuck in the uh, cement column. Yeah, and then has to like yoink it out, and uh, the body begins to glow, and like electric sparks start surging, and then all the cars do also in the lot. And the lights glow as Connor powers up like Dragon Ball style. And then the cars like motors just fucking explode. So I have a question for you, Hyderberg, since this is your film. Yeah, I I have a question. And maybe I'm hoping I'm understanding this correctly since this is my first time watching it. But so when they kill the other immortals, right? So in this case, uh, Connor kills Fossil. Um he that power essentially transfer like whatever his knowledge and his power yeah and like all the all, all the other powers that have transferred to Fazil are those going into connor is that yeah. what that is yeah they're okay him. and so like our guy um our villain has basically been the guy who's been, kind of been at it the most the yeah. longest you know what i mean so he's the most powerful plus he's just also from a race of like awesome warriors so he's the ideal fucking immortal Right game, really. Because I, um, I was thinking of that, like I don't know if you guys have seen uh, uh, the one with the uh, Jet Li. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they definitely took a lot from this. That's almost like a remake of Highlander in a sense. It really is. Yeah, it, it's it, got, well, it's, it's a great movie. I like it. Of it but yeah, for sure. It's a kung fu version of the Highlander. Yeah, there's nice. definitely essence of Highlander there for sure. I never thought about. Have you, it, have you seen it, John? Nope. Oh, okay. oh fuck! On the we're list. gonna add that Jason to the fucking Statham's list. It's so good. Yeah, it's a fun film. For sure. Um. Yeah. So yeah. You uh, you absorb the um. You absorb the uh. What's it called? The essence of the dudes. Um. That you kill basically. Um. And it affects people. Everybody absorbs it kind of differently. It's you know our our cars blow up here. We see broken glass and other scenes. Uh, shit happens differently for each one. We see Connor here like stashes his sword too, 
and then fucking hightails it out of there. In a very nice car, by the way. Well, then the next scene, just like you'd think they'd put that car scene next, but then the next scene is him in the past all of a sudden yeah. in Scotland. Yeah. And it's gorgeous, like Braveheart vibes for sure, for right? Sure. Yeah. Very, very much like Braveheart. Right. He's heading into battle. His lady speaks to him to tell him, like, stay alive. And they say, yeah, we know which part you want alive, lady, you little yeah. pervert. Yeah, yeah. Keep him in one uh, piece, they say, she says. Yeah, right? yeah, and they say, yeah, we know what piece you want, you want us. <laughs> oh, man. That shit was funny. So, uh, speaking of Highlander, um, one of the uh, characters, I don't know if you noticed this. I, 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 I'm assuming you guys have both seen Braveheart, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, James Cosmo uh, plays his cousin Angus McLeod. That's the that's the dad one of the dads that is part of the the crew in Braveheart. Mm. Um, yeah, the redhead uh, with like mm-hmm. kind of like the the yeah you'll, yeah I mean like you with the kind of the nice muscle. Talking about Angus. Yeah. yeah, Angus. Yeah, he's in the Braveheart. one that the one that helps him out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, who yeah, is right. he in Braveheart? He is so uh um what's his, uh Mel Gibson's like his like friend. His friend's dad. Like, oh, like, yeah. You'll move. Yeah. The guy who gets, it, gets his arm cut off. Yep. yep. He's also yeah, uh, yeah. J.R. Mormont in uh, Game of Thrones. Yes. Yeah. No, yep. Yeah. Thank you. I, I forgot that I recognized yeah. him from right away. Yeah. Me too. Like, definitely younger here, though, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, everyone, you got to remember, I'm 90 years old. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I like this scene. Like, on, they're on the battlefield and we meet Clancy Brown's character here. Uh, Kurgan and um, oh, dude, he's decked that out in his fucking dude, dope. he's decked out in bone armor. He's looking like he's level 20 with raid armor or something, at least. you know what I mean? At like video least. game wise. And dude, and he and Connor sense each other. Um, he's more aware, obviously, though, of like all, what I don't well, he, uh, Connor senses him after like they meet. He's there the, for the Connor. Kurgan. No, Connor knows. Does, there's a moment where Kurgan, when Kurgan's up on his horse on the ridge. Yeah, they're doing the lightning Connor strikes, right? Him. And there's that's, moments where But Connor Connor's, doesn't know what that means. No, but no, in my no. mind, what that's happening is Connor's feeling like a tingle. Or right, something. he's like, he's oh, shit. The energy. He's feeling like, something. Drawing attention. He doesn't know what it is because like, he doesn't know what he is. Right, Kurgan right. does know what he is. You know what right, I mean? Right, so, right. Like, that's the gathering um, or the quickening, if you will. Uh, the quickening, I think, is supposed to be when you absorb the... The other dude, I think yeah, the reward. But uh, so let's talk about the Kurgan, awesome character. It's played by Clancy oh. Brown, one of yeah. the uh, just an iconic actor. It's done like a lot of film, TV, and voiceover work, uh, and kind of has a, a very like uh, iconic voice, like a Keith David or a Lance Hendrickson or a Tony Todd. Just you know, great, great stuff. Uh, he's been in great films like Shawshank Redemption. He's been in shows like Carnival. Uh, in Starship Troopers, and... he was uh, Lex Luthor in the DC animated universe. Mm-hmm. That was I. I didn't realize that too. that was Clancy Brown doing that. Lost and a little bit, and uh, a little bit more uh, Mortal Kombat uh, archaeology for you with John. Yep, he was uh, in the. He was the uh, voice actor for Raiden in the Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm animated series. Mm. Yep. So both main characters from this film played Raiden at some point. Damn, but <laughs> but to throw a monkey wrench even further into it, listen to this. I'm watching it and mistook Clancy Brown for Brian Thompson uh, for the first like 45 seconds of the film. And when I did that, I was like, oh, shit, both live action Raidens are in this film. Oh, no. 
but it yeah. wasn't the night slasher. So all three Raidens at one point popped up in my mind during this movie. And I was like, <laughs> you were like, it's a Raiden orgy. What is going I mean, on? Oh my god, I can't contain myself. <laughs> the Thunder God is all over this place. And like, uh, yeah, disgu- and like I discussed earlier, um, Clancy Brown worked exclusively with Bob Anderson. Uh, you know, one of the sword fighting experts, uh, stunt coordinators that we talked about with like on the Princess Bride and stuff. So, um, and he, that's like why he, his sword technique is so exquisite. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely one of the, the best of the actors that we see uh, using the sword for sure. He kind of carries the yeah. scenes. I, I do I'm think sure. right now might be a good time kind of just to break down the, the lore a little bit of how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some of the immortals are friendly with one another, it seems. And then some seek the others out in a power-hungry attempt to kill and absorb their power. Um, Connor isn't aware of what he is yet, as as uh, where Kurgan seems very well-versed in the immortal lore at this point. Like, I don't, I'm assuming maybe he's one of the first or something. Um, you know, he's definitely been at it. He knows the rules already at this moment in time. I mean, he's got this fucking... Look at this armory. That's, he's all about it. And he's not even oh, with yeah. these guys attacking. He's like just working with them. Like, do you think he may have been like one of the first immortals? Is that yeah, maybe I that's like maybe. why he's so like he and maybe like we don't know anything about the Kurgan's background at all. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if maybe he's like one of the first ones and he grew up, uh, you know, he's power hungry. And that's like mm-hmm. he's just all he, and he knows the rules of of the uh whatever it is that they're and he's just been at it like i guess maybe once he figured out what was going on he's just been at it like going after you know the, well him and ramirez out. were pretty familiar with each other right they were as if they had battles well, and i think ramirez may have been like one of the first immortals as well because he's okay, very yeah, yeah. he's pretty well versed he's like the uh you know they like contrast parallels of one another right right yeah i have so uh, so I know we're we're sidetracking a little bit because I think but I think this is important for for the episode with when it comes to the the lore because obviously we're we're all go, we're we're working towards the gathering and uh but it seems like some of these immortals are friends yeah let's say like there's no Kurgan right and it's let's say we have Nobody like pushing the issue. Yeah, we have Ramirez, we have Connor, and maybe like uh um you know Castiger who we'll meet later on. Mm-hmm. And they're the last ones. What you had to kill know. your friend? It feels like there's going to be a, a a compulsion at some point to act on, like it's like a nature thing because they're not necessarily like a normal human being, and this right. is almost like a a calling it to them. But you're tra- right. I don't me, know. They're not mentally. This feels like a tra- like. I mean, obviously, it ends heroically because mm. it's good versus yeah. evil. But it could have been a much more tragic tale. Yeah. In a lot of ways, if like you have like three friends, who, but they have to one, they all have to kill each other to be yeah. the one. It, or it seems odd that like maybe the gathering doesn't have to happen, but it's prophesized that it's going to happen. So that's what gets these people to keep pushing towards me. You know, a guy like the Kurgan, he wants it to happen because he's power hungry. Right. He wants to be the one, uh, and he wants to lord it. He wants to lord over all of humanity as mm-hmm. a god. And also being struck with the quickening and and absorbing like one of these guys who knows how that feels like obviously that must be like a jump in like oh man I feel confidence you know oh yeah exactly. that must be something you definitely might want to chase you know like the dragon yep yeah almost like a drug um for sure yeah. sorry I, I didn't mean to bring up all those questions no, it's it all good. Just, these were this is what I was thinking about during the film well, so. I think the film opens up these questions with the lore uh you kind of want to start um questioning it not necessarily in a nitpicky sort of way just sort of like oh this is interesting how does this work 
Right. Just yeah, digging tell in me more. Yeah, dig yeah, exactly. Digging in. That's a good way. So we get this battle. During the battle, no one will attack Connor because uh, he, he's literally only there. Um, he's to be killed by, um, what's his the name? Kurgan, the Kurgan, Kurgan yeah. the Black Knight, if you will. And um, so we do find out that like uh, immortals can be killed. Like if they get their head cut off in the normal world, like their power will just go out. I guess their soul will just leave. Nobody will absorb it if a human. Here's being... one other question I have: Is it will they only die if another immortal cuts their no, head off, no, no. or? You can die like so if their heads cut off that there's the same shit might happen. But like, imagine I'm just imagining this, the power just leaving their body and not being absorbed by anybody. Um, oh, that's weird. Yeah. So like yeah. if like they're in the French Revolution and like an immortal, like, you know, went Lost to the it, guillotine. Yeah, you know, it's like he it's like, yeah. oh, he's a monster. You know, yeah. Like, who knows? Like, oh, yeah. yeah that kind of validates the guillotining. Right. Like, I told you he was a fucking demon. Mm hmm. And then that also begs the difference. Like, what if someone else kills an immortal in front of another immortal? Like, does that immortal get to? Can he grab some of the essence while right. it's flying he just around? Gets the loot, a, dude. He's not that. the killer. Yeah, he question. didn't do the kill, though. So I think it has to be immortal on immortal. You know what I mean? You have to earn that. It's like an honor thing, sort of deal. So I do like that too. And it kind of definitely plays into like the whole sword play thing. The, the fact that they use swords throughout history, really. That's mainly their. I did like that. Yeah, like like the swords that keep popping up, and like it's just like her, you know, digging into that. Like it just it was cool. It was like oh, it's he written into the sword. story too. You know yeah, what I mean? like yeah. with Brenda's character, uh, the right, right, woman and shit, and then also Kurgan. Um, so yeah, they they meet though. Kurgan comes down. We, there's a moment in the battle too. There's a holy man that's like slits somebody's throat. You seen that scene? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Like grabs yeah. him, slits his throat from behind, and then does like a little prayer. Like I'm sorry, my son. <laughs> my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My be. <laughs> uh, Kurgan and Connor meet on the battlefield, and Kurgan just drives as soon as he gets off his horse, just drives a fucking sword right through Connor, like instantly. And we see Connor bleeding out on the battlefield. And there's this cool edit where it closes in in a circle around him, and then ends up being Connor's eyeball present day it's a pretty cool effect and we cut back that's when we cut back to him hightailing it out of there in that fucking porsche and it's a cool like scene the way it's like the camera zoom i right love how that shot and they have a Go couple on. of these shots throughout the film where it's just I, I don't know how they did it but man it is so cool uh like it's you kind of have like like you know third person like above view of mm -hmm. him like hightailing out of the parking garage but i'm wondering like how the police seemed like they were on top of that, like right away. Mm -hmm. It yeah. seems like that's the one I was well, there's like. There's an explosion that in the parking garage of a, you know a major stadium. That's right. Even you know it's like a terrorist. Type and, you know what? And, and, and when they do take the power of the other immortal, it does kind of like knock them out for a little bit. So yeah, the okay. fact that they are like blocking the entrance right away, like I get that. That would probably be procedure too. Like nobody can leave yet. You know, we need to question yeah. everybody or find out what's going on. Like you know section everything off you know close i would, it down. I would just say it's like oh there's an explosion i just want to get the fuck out of there well of course yeah. that's probably what he does say you know yeah that's why he's in a hurry but you know there's uh so yeah because we cut back later on there's things that tie him to the scene though you know what i mean once we the once they investigate the scene uh we cut back to gorgeous scotland though at this point and it's dusk and it's bathed in like orange light and bagpipes playing it's a gorgeous fucking scene yeah oh, there's yeah. some great scenes in this film and there's some great like settings too that they're on location and, for yeah and we're talking about like those transition shots i, I don't like if you saw like from they transfer from like, the, uh, the underground garage and the camera moves up and all of a sudden we're in like uh, ancient scotland you know yeah, from connor's seeing... time and then yeah. the same thing like when we transfer like from him being like arrested 
we transfer the shot over to like it's that you know gorgeous sunset of like scotland with the bagpipes mm-hmm. playing it's like these are great great shots that are it's the great technique that Mulcahy is putting into this film. Yeah, he. they were saying that they basically like would they'd pan up to like the parking garage and there would be parking garage and then they'd have a small bit of the Scotland like set tucked in. Yeah. So you'd, you'd get a glimpse of it. And then the next scene of Scotland would have a small bit of the parking garage tucked into it. Yeah, it's so that. cool. That's and wild. Then you'd be like, yeah, we're like going from parking garage modern to shoot, next scene. It's like looking over the corner to the next level. And that, next thing we know, we're in the past. It's a cool bit of that's what that's what grabbed me as a kid when I saw this movie. I remember my brother sitting me down and be like, I was young and he was sort of like, oh, this is a heavy movie. Like, there's a lot going on. But there's he's like, it's really cool. It's about this guy and he's immortal. And then there's another guy and they're fighting with swords and he's you got to cut the heads off and there's power. And and I was like in the He-Man and shit and Thundercats. And I'm like, I'm there, dude. Like, yeah, locked in. Yep. You know what I mean? Locked in, bro. You know, say less. Say less. The dude's got the sword that has the things come out. It looks like Lion sword almost. Like right. The, the splits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was in the Willow and the armor of the fucking dude in this reminded me of the guy from Willow with the bone armor, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, sure. I haven't seen that in forever. This is an interesting movie because it's a modern movie. It's a got modern setting, but it's fantasy, too, in a way. Oh, yeah. You know, with these sword battles and stuff like that. Um, well, like the very next year is The Princess Bride. So it's, uh, you yeah. know, the fantasy, the fantasy epic in the 80s was, you know, and because we had also had Conan. And mm-hmm. so it's, we, so we had a lot Willow of these great Master. fantasy. Yeah. There was something in the 80s with these fantasy movies that was just very prevalent. Yeah, okay, bro. I love them. There's some good films out there, definitely. Uh, I have Beastmaster on my list, short list of to Oh, I have not seen that. I want to see that so well, bad. Yeah. So we, yeah, then we cut back to present day and we meet Brenda Wyatt, our forensic specialist. Um, she mentions Connor should, she should probably know as she's like looking around the scene because she finds this sword that's worth like a million dollars. She finds the right. rapier and yeah, you know, they don't know what they just like, oh, it's a sword, you know, um, it was used in the crime maybe. But yeah, she's like, she mentions Connor should know about our classic sword here because, uh, you know, he's, he's into antiques. So, right. You know, you got an antique guy trying to leave the scene of a crime and then you have an antique sword downstairs. Like, come on. Right. That's worth, you know, a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And you have a headless guy downstairs. Well, actually, no, there's no body, right? Was it just a head or no, it was like... just the it was just the body. They couldn't find the head. Oh, um, I, it's, it's like it looks like sometimes like the body just disappears or like rises up and like. I know when they go to take pictures, like you can see a hand like you see the like okay, they have so like a, a body. Like, like yeah, a bag, I think the body like is still the there. Gone. It's just like the, the it rises up because the power is like mm-hmm. transferring through it. Yeah, but um, I thought it just so, appeared in one of the scenes too for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, Brenda. Uh, Brenda. Oh, her character's name is Brenda Wyatt. She's played by an actress named Roxanne Hart. Roxanne, uh, she's Roxanne. Been in, yeah, she's been in films like The Verdict, a uh, great Paul Newman film, uh, Pulse, and a lot of TV uh, credits for her. So okay. Well, she's pretty cool in this. I like her character. Um, she's yeah, like very she's well. Great. And she she's a she's a tough lady. I like her. Yeah, and she's like well versed in this sort of um this uh this old like these older swords and these things. Um, like she's a forensic scientist, but also she has like this other side of her with the antique stuff. Not antiques, but like the swords or whatever. I guess that she's into. Uh, by yeah. you know coincidence, I guess it's good for her character though. Uh, and I do like that she kind of goes on her own here um eventually in the story to like find more about what's going on she goes around the police even though she's part of the police right but she has uh we he has a moment here lambert does with the police uh 
when they have him where he's like staring intimidatingly at the officer. And I wrote side note, like Lambert looks like a Neanderthal a little with his brow. He does. That's and, and yeah, his forehead. Said, that's what they wanted to to yeah. go with. Um, and there's some. Yeah, that Tarzan too, look like, too, right? So that's probably why they saw him in that. And they're like, oh shit, he's got. Yeah, we'll put him in this. Yeah. This yeah. show like and how long just, his lineage is from, right? Yeah, there was a there was a a lot of consideration. It's like he just has the look. I don't care if he doesn't speak English. We'll work that out. Like he yeah. just has the look. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about some of the officers that were in the room. Uh, we got uh, Alan North, who plays uh, Lieutenant Frank Moran. He's been in films like Serpico and uh, actually a couple of uh, Pacino films, Serpico and just and Justice for All. And uh, John Polito plays uh, Detective Walter Bledsoe, who actually just died a few years back. Uh, he's been in films like or uh, shows like Homicide, Life on the Street. He was in films like Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, and The Big Lebowski. He was a big Coen Brothers guy that they uh, recycled Wasn't he in The Crow? Is that the guy who was in The Crow, too? I think he was in The Crow, too. I, uh, I didn't Is it the that one down, that who looked I... like a sort of like an Italian guy? The bald yeah, guy? yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was in The Crow. He was the uh, pawn shop owner, I believe. Oh, okay. Crow. Yeah, a, a film I've never yeah. seen, so... Mm-hmm. so we'll add that to the list. Also well. on the list. It's already on the list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, uh, this scene's interesting too. <laughs> See, he like he tries to intimidate his cop, and then there's like he plays dumb, and then it breaks out into a fight. Like that one cop gets nasty and uses like drops the f bomb, and he's like trying to like and yeah. you know, inf- <laughs> say that he's like, oh, maybe you're homosexual and you were down there doing some blowjobs or some shit. Yeah, sucking his uh, dick. He's trying to like uh, try and what the fuck? you know get him to talk or do something. Um, and yeah, he like. The scene gets like violent almost. And then oh, yeah. he like pushes the other cop and then he's like, I'm leaving. And they're just like, yeah. what? And he leaves like, what? Yeah. I mean, that just seems weird. I, I maybe get my well, lawyer. I mean, they, they technically they didn't have anything on I him. I get that. He but he, it's almost he like he just assaulted an officer. Yeah. If you too, assault but... a cop and they want to hold you, dog, that's there. You're going to you don't get to just push a cop and be like, by the way, I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, Fuck you, mm. screw you guys. I'm going home. Sorry, dog, but now I don't know. Sure, especially because it's well, like this guy doesn't live them all in prison. <laughs> yeah, he's an antique salesman, but other than that, like it's not like he has any big dick swinging energy around here with this, like as a cop, you know, as far as the cops go. Yeah. Um, anyway, whatever he leaves, but uh, Kurgan hears the details on the radio. We cut. I love this part. Yeah, yeah bro. The grizzly name. murder on the radio, and he's he's headed towards our protagonist. And there's that moment where they're like a headless or whatever, and they yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. his name, and he's like, "I know his name." <laughs> oh, so sick! Oh, dude, and, like, the, and then you got the and then the beat like, drops the tape in. Yeah, dude, it's so good. Yeah. And it's just like he's on the road, and Kurgan sports like this modern, like style heavy metal Terminator vibe. Like, yep, dude, sure. yeah, he does. Uh, it's like two years after Terminator, and originally they said they wanted Schwarzenegger for this role. That would make sense. That would have been terrible. Uh, but he didn't. He didn't want to do another villain. He wanted. Well, he to was hot as fish hero. grease at the time, wasn't he? Yeah. But there's definitely yeah. Terminator vibes with this character. There's more on that later for sure. You know, I was, I, I, you know, to be honest, I was thinking Cobra. I was thinking of the Night Slasher and okay. some of the well, scenes that he's with his in. garb a little bit. I could see that too. But he reminds me definitely of like there's the way they shoot him sometimes. Like he's driving here in this car. You know what I mean? He puts the tape in and, and plays, and we get this awesome moment where the queen kicks in. Yep, and like we pan uh, out yeah. to see the car on the like bridge. on the bridge, bro. It just yeah. looks dope, and we do a scene like that later too. Um, there's some cool scenes like that of travel. Which bridge was that, Berg? I have no idea, bro. It was bathed in just darkness. 
It's not a I New York. It's not a famous. Uh, it New looked York like Cross there. Island almost. Like it was heading towards I don't know the Whitestone or I don't know. I don't know, man. For sure, to be honest. Uh, but I do like the scene of just like he's out there and he's like in search yeah. of you know they're getting closer and closer to one another because there's less and less Highlander out there now. Um, and he checks into a hotel and and he practices his sword play. I like we see that he keeps his sword in like a case. He assembles it. Yeah, that was dope. <laughs> it's like a it sniper rifle. Cool. <laughs> Dude, I like that. I, cool. I thought it was kind of cool. It was like different. Wait, it snapped together. You know, he's got. I don't know how structurally together. good that might be. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it doesn't seem very smart or but but I like the concept of that idea okay. of like yeah. just this. You know what I mean? But first, like uh, as far as performance wise, you're right. You probably are not going it's pretty cool. I mean, who knows? I mean, this a guy is like what this would obviously... happen because it's like in a violin case. I mean, this is what would happen if uh, what's her fa- what's his face um, from Pool Hall Junkies? You know, if he was active, he was actually uh, uh, an immortal. Oh, yeah, let's see how he just... tied it into Pool Hall Junkies too. So it's a dirty Harry Pool Hall Junkies um, themed. You movie. fucking degenerate! John, can you? Uh, I mean, Rob, can you stop poo pooing on my fucking movie here? Anyway. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. The sword. Uh, yeah, so I like that he breaks it down, though. Um, they said that... So, like, we get Lambert, he walks around with, like, a trench coat. He's always got his sword on him, too. Like, there's that moment later on where she's like, can I take your coat? And he's like, no, because he's yeah. got his sword on him at all times. You have to. In this right, world. yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Kurgan, basically, in order to, like, get around, because he has a huge fucking sword, they came up with the idea, like, well, what if he broke it down and, like, assembled it or whatever? So, yeah that worked for them and it looks cool on film like the way it's it does. puts together it looks it to me it's just like yeah it works but yeah, in I my love, mind like, i'm also ceremony like well, of, how does that work yeah, exactly yeah the ceremony of him like putting it together and like he's he's uh you know kind of going through the exercises of like kind of that thing is a huge broadsword and he looks Dude, so imposing like he looks like he's 10 feet tall. I mean like the way that they framed and Clancy Brown is a tall dude. He's got this like killer scar across his neck. Yeah, yeah. His voice is fucking super rad. That we, we don't, don't know we... what the scars for yeah. yet, yeah. right? You know what I thought for some reason? It's just wild. It, it, to, to make this scene even more wild would be imagine like they cut to him and he's just butt ass naked with the sword and he's all Getting like ready American for candy, psycho, sort of like practicing oh, dude, in that the nude, like crazy. And then the hooker comes in and he's just like yeah. butt ass. He's like, come in, you know what I mean? Of course you are. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm candy. Uh, it's funny that he with called an eye, with an eye, of course, and he yeah. didn't kill her either. Like, nope. no, he beat that thing. or beat her oh. to death. He just was kinky. Yeah, hey, just because he's immortal doesn't mean yeah, he's, he's got you know, <laughs> real freaky naughty. But he wants to, you know. It sounds like he might have been a good tipper. Oh yeah, dude, that's, ominous, that though, later scene is hilarious when that guy's like, "Oh, heard you, a big old pervert." And yeah, he's just and he's like, like Don't he fucking snatches either. him up. Don't fucking talk to me ever, mm-hmm. bro. And he's like, "Oh, good." He's like, I hope you get your head chopped off, asshole. <laughs> yeah. And then that. So how? What? It's like that's so random. Like, does yeah, he, right? so? Does that guy know that he's like no, an immortal? He nothing. No, he's it's just a, it's like he had a, a herpes sore on his face, and he was arguing with that black uh, uh like drunk who <laughs> hangs out at the hotel. Yeah, that guy laughed <laughs> at him too when he said that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I thought that was funny. I'm candy. Of course, of you, course are. you are. It was. It's cool though. Yeah, it sets up his character. Like he's he's about his business, man. He's ready to to get down. He's practicing with his fucking sword. He has a sword out too when the hooker gets there. I noticed. Too. Oh yeah, and she still walked in. Yep. Whatever. You know, it's a the sword was a euphemism for his large wiener. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, um, well, hey, you know, it's it's our second Russell McCahey film that has a prostitute that comes in and, uh, you know, it has some fun with one of our main characters. So I don't know. Maybe there's hmm. some connection there, too. Here. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Ricochet. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Cue back to our the classic Ricochet episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Brenda learns that these metal flakes left at the scene are ancient Japanese and decides to go back to the scene. Um, and then we find out later that she finds out like these, the sword dates back to a time where they, they these types of swords were, were, were made at a certain time in Japan, but this sword predates that like a far time ahead of that. Right. Know? Based on yeah, technique, which, right? Um, yeah. And we find out later on how the sword was gifted to Ramirez and basically right. like by maybe one of the creators of the first samurai sword ever. You know what I mean? Um, like a right. visionary before this was ever a thing, or maybe this sword influenced modern day samurai swords later down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And that's where they got their, their idea from. It's interesting to think about this like sword culture too. And like this lineage to not just these immortals, but these weapons. Yeah, totally. They use. It's a cool world uh, building, I think for sure. There's, yeah, um, it's so it's so freaking fascinating. Yeah. And you could go so many different directions with like this type of story where because like I said, we have so many questions. It, you could tell a bunch of different stories. The way you could play, of, you could tell it in so many different uh, settings uh, through history. Yeah, exactly. Because, like it, it definitely plays into someone like you that's in the history. Um, you can just throw an immortal conflict. You can make a movie or a story or a comic or whatever out of this world so easily anywhere and it can be disconnected from any other stories to be honest and you can have your own kind of thing going on or you can have it really tied into the lore of this world that's been super nerdy with it yeah um so yeah uh when brenda goes back there she doesn't know but connor's there too to retrieve his sword that's he stashed it in the ceiling grate whatever the cops then find it i know it's poor searching i know i thought that too she's spooked by uh by him and he observes her and so she goes to this bar like right nearby to cool down i guess and he's there and they interact and it's a little odd too like the way very odd yeah i'm surprised she was so cool with it like you go to the garden a lot well because even the bartender was like what who are you talking to (laughs) yeah because he doesn't sit right by her right away right yeah he's like really far and then she kind of walks up to him i guess just because she's like you know curiosity got the cat kind of deal sure i mean um she just wants to know this sword. The information about this metal is just like definitely piqued her interest. She's well, angry. and she was kind of spooked out of there too. Remember? Cause she heard a noise and was like, yeah. oh, shit, and then takes off running. So, and then she gets the drink and orders, you know, the, uh, the go tell me when gets a big ass drink. And a so she's one, like yeah. kind of trying to come down off of her nerves. And you get some creeper at the end of the bar. Like you go to the garden and it's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? And like you said, Rob, yeah. she's like a she's a tough chick, though. You know what I mean? So yeah. she's not easily startled. She kind of just confronts him. Right. Uh, which is funny. Yeah. But then he leaves because she mentions, uh, are you following me? And she leaves. He leaves. And then she follows him. And then he senses another. Yeah. There. And it's Kurgan. Kurgan. And this is the first time they kind of come. Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming maybe this is the... the you think throughout history they've seen each other, or this is like the the first time since the original that we saw? I had to imagine that they they have maybe come across one another because I mean he it, the the fact that he knows exactly who it is, or maybe it's yeah. like it just it's one of those things that 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 presence you just don't forget it. And I mean the so, Kirkins 
been hunting others too so that he might have given up on you know the highlander for a while but i bet yeah. i bet if he ever yeah gets a you know the, the now that the gathering's happening there's less and less so he's more and because uh, we uh, will we'll come to find out later like you know the what happened with uh his his friend and like what and i'm sure he's been friends with other immortals who have interacted with the kurgan and like he he certainly knows of him yeah so they go at it in this like freddy krueger-esque like steam-filled factory setting yeah um, yeah it's framed like a horror film too so there's a lot of horror elements in this film there are like there's like the cat and mouse moment in the garage in the beginning the first uh fight there's sort of like a tenseness yeah. to it there's a thriller sort of-esque um vibe to this for sure um, our main guy is sort of like our our villain is sort of like horrific in a sense. You know, he's just like a monster of a man. Um, yeah. So there's this moment where they go at it and then the police helicopter shows up like all of a sudden. Like, why? I thought that, that that was the other question. I was like, like, what did they what was done? Are like police on helicopter just like on you, like all of a sudden, like you didn't do, like there was did someone call in like, oh, someone was at Madison Square Garden. Like, Snoop went my around. thing was no. just like maybe uh, like complete Ran- coincidence. It was random. Like, it was like just there to interrupt their fight. Right guy I mean, at have, the right I have time. To say that in a lot of films, like the police are like so far behind everything. Like these police are kind of on it. Like yeah, they, they're on they, it, bro. <laughs> it's New York. Oh, yeah. dude, that shit was godlike. Yeah. I was that was I love that when he's singing it in the car and driving yeah. like Batman. Yeah, Connor gets away and as does the Kurgan. Um, Brenda wants to know more, though, about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's like she asked him. He called you Highlander there. He said there can be only one. She wants to know, like, what the fuck does that mean? And then we flash back to Connor having survived his wound in battle. Yep. No one there trusts him anymore and they think he's aligned with the devil. Yeah. yeah, even yeah. the chick that wanted his donger is now yeah. just his biggest advocate. Him. Yeah, now she's his biggest hater. Yeah, he wants like, to burn him. Burn him. So, burn him. yeah, so that lady, uh, that is uh, Celia Emery. Uh, she played Kate McLeod, uh, who this is who wanted to burn Connor at the stake. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been in films such as Bridget Jones's Diary. Bang. Uh, she was also in the uh, uh, Nanny McPhee. Yeah, uh, and she was also a pilot in the Phantom Menace. Not a bad, not a bad lineup. That's a lot of heat. Yeah, man. but yeah, like he gets essentially like the the whole village wants to burn him at the stake, right? But uh, Angus kind of comes to his well, rescue. Before that, though, they they literally like they turn on him, they stone him, and they beat him. They oh, yeah. him in stocks, and then they yeah. want to kill him. That's when his friend Angus. Yeah, that's when he wants Angus comes up with the idea of like, well, just let's just banish him. Well, because even the other guy, he's like, bruh, that was your cousin, man. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know cousin of mine. And they're beating the shit out of him, bro. Yeah. And I feel bad for him because he's like crying out to them like, cousin. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck, you guys? It's me. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's almost like, why? Like, who cares how it works? Like, I'm alive. You know what I mean? Like, to him, he's like, and but to them, they're like, no, you're like. Get out of here, you devil. Mm Mm-hmm. He should be dead. I saw the wound, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, be a little weird but yeah his buddy kind of comes through right there in that one moment pulls one yep. for him and he eventually finds a life for himself yep um with heather i would have liked to see him struggle though like uh walk for a while with those stocks on and like try and figure out how to get out of maybe or 
Sure, sure. Well, yeah, we don't see how he gets out of them, but he definitely. I mean, we see, we know he's walked in mm-hmm. them for a long time because we see him like still. I mean, Angus didn't even let him out of the uh, out of the damn. Stock. Well, no, that was, was like, the idea. Was like, let him buddy. walk. He could possibly die anyway. Let him walk in, away, banish him. Yeah, that's true. On, and then you know, let fate take over. Uh, but yeah, he ends up going into another town over, and uh, we meet uh the young Heather. Uh, um. Or, yeah. wait, it's, is that, no. Do we see that in the same flashback, or does we, that happen? Well, then another... we 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 cut to his uh, modern day, right? And then oh, right, okay, that's right. Cut there, to modern see... day again. And can we talk about dude's pad? It's super nice. Fuck yeah, it's dude, like sort it of awesome. Yeah, for sure. And he's got this like trophy room of things he's collected over his extremely long life, and it's it's like in a circle, and he sits in it, and he's just like thinking. No, and that's where I... we get a glimpse at his 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 life post banishment. Do you think that? He has collected those from other battles with immortals, possibly, or just like souvenirs throughout his life. Like, I don't think that's a collection of like random ass antiques that he collects that have nothing to do with nothing. I think they all have to do with, yes, either immortals or his personal life, like his story. Those are his antiques, you know, right? Oh, yeah, because I mean, obviously, there's a lot of Scottish, uh, um. Uh, artifacts yeah but it seems like there's some other stuff where it's like man like where do you have that from i mean he's played several lives right and each life yeah once he burns them out and goes on to the next life well he's lived over 400 years yeah so so. those can be their you know their personal items stuff like that that would you know so his shield when he was a something guy and then his you know whatever yeah that uh that right before that scene leading up to that like you guys are talking about i think was one of my favorite of the transitions where it's like he's he's dead and he's laying on that board right and then it's just like a close-up of his face and his eyes and then it like transitions out and it's like the mona lisa Mm -hmm. on this big ass backboard and it's like his eyes were in her eyes and then it's like him on the balcony looking at the picture while it was there like that shit was sick. That was that was one of my that was favorites. a cool scene. I kind of overlooked that, but yeah, you're right. That is, yeah, and yeah, because it does like without CGI, it blends really well into the Mona Lisa on the wall. Yeah. The transitions in this film are uh, revolutionary. They're so good. Well, there's like a cool, like I don't know, a sense to this movie. It's like you said, it's a mix of genres, sort of. You got mm-hmm. little cop stuff going on, investigative. We got the the fantasy element of the sword play. The sci-fi nature of this whole immortal sort of thing going on, you know, there's thriller vibes, horror. I think it's all pretty well blended, though. Um, yeah, there's not a ton of comedy, but there's some levity for sure, especially when oh, yeah. um, Ramirez yeah. shows up. I think that shows a good bit of. Um... So yeah, so because we cut to Connor's here and he's got a life for himself. He's 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 fell in love with this young lady, um, yep. Heather, and they have a life for themselves together. They're making love, sweet sweet love, in the field one day. When Ramirez just shows up in a grand fashion, he's on a horseback and he's literally jumps over them. He's dressed very flamboyantly and he's well-mannered and learned. And uh, so Connery plays Ramirez very charmingly, in my opinion. And I think the relationship between him and Ramirez, uh, Ramirez and McLeod feels genuine uh, between these actors in these scenes. Definitely. Yeah, well, yeah, well, let's talk about Ramirez. Uh, Sean Connery plays Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. It's it's our... This is our second Connery film. Yeah, a uh, a Scottish man playing a Spanish guy. Of course, he's playing a Spanish guy who also says he's Arab. I've, What's that from? Yeah, it, and then we have a Frenchman playing a Scotsman 
Right, it, it's all over the place. And, right. and who's you know, taking Ramirez lessons? Four thousand years old, or you know, or yeah, close he's taking to lessons it. from Connery off, like off camera, on how to be a better Scotsman as well. <laughs> yeah, but you know, this this was po- the post 007 era for Connery, and obviously after doing those films, he, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about like when we did uh, Diamonds Are Forever. You know, he got money to do from that film. He got money to do projects that he really kind of wanted to do. And you know, you set up a lot of um, uh, charity foundations for filmmakers. filmmakers. Uh, But like after 007, he did a lot of interesting films. Like this, this is one of them. Uh, But he did like movies like Zardoz, The Offense, uh, The Man Who Would Be King. Uh, And like I said, like I said earlier in the show, like had this been this movie been done, you know, twenty years earlier, he he probably would have been playing Connor McLeod just because he would have been young enough. Because even though well, even though Connery was still in great shape, uh, some of the physical stuff he's like, I just I don't have it in me anymore. Yeah, he didn't, <laughs> you know, like, didn't want to do it as much. Especially that running on the beach, he's like he was fucking winded after that. He's on fucking horseback on that. Well, one even thing. there's one shot when they're on the rocks when they're going through the training montage. Yeah, and it's like it's like a side profile, and I was like, bro, that does not look. Yeah, there's several good. moments in the scene, unfortunately, under scrutiny, because he was just there. like. He's fifty years old at this point. Yeah. Like he's t- he's like he's still in great shape, but he's like, yeah, man, I don't have the stamina anymore. Yeah, he's older, yeah. man. He's because he's he, you'd have to climb. He's gonna have to climb up to that spot and then right do several takes out in the weather and all that stuff, swinging that sword, even if it's fake, you know, it still weighs something. And sure, then sure. The uh, you know, also it's dangerous out there for sure. Uh, there's a moment or two where it did, did look like him swinging the sword out there. Um, and then I wasn't sure if it was Lambert though, because like the wig, the the hair looked a little bigger, but also like yeah, the wind's blowing. So yeah, well, you also have to remember that Sean Connery is bald. He he always wore wigs yeah. in his films. Yeah. Can we it talk about suit. his drip though? Because dude is the cock feathers. Out, he looks smooth as fuck. He's decked ah, out in yeah, suede. He, <laughs> he is decked out in suede and a peacock shawl. He looks like a pimp. He reminds he me of. Look like one of the outfits you could wear in like the witcher three yeah or or in um uh what's it uh new jack city yeah oh like when they're meeting yeah when, he, there's a third guy in the meeting all of a sudden you pan over and it's ramirez the peacock shawl just really uh ties the whole outfit. oh it pops yeah you yeah. see them feathers like oh, did i catch you fuckers at a bad time yeah <laughs> Oh man! So he too is an immortal, and there's a connection between them both right away. Kind of stricken down with this, like what I guess is the quickening, right? Or yeah, the feeling yeah, that you're yeah. another immortal. Um, when multiple immortal, multiple immortals like come into contact with one another. Um, but it's interesting because it's a friendly uh sort of vibe between them. Completely, yeah. It's not competitive, combative. Because Ramirez comes at him right away. It's like, hey, man. What's going on? And then they even says when he gets like stricken down with sickness, sort of from them being together. He says we're we're the same. We're we're like brothers. You know what I mean? Which is interesting right. to think that like some people would think like there's only a few of us. You know what I mean? We should be together. There should be camaraderie. Like we're special. You know what I mean? Yeah, Instead totally. Each other down. Like what are we doing? We're that's different. interesting thought for sure. You know what I mean? You would think like we're like gods. We're immortal. Right. There's bigger purpose for us, but right. I don't know. I guess it'd be interesting to hear like how the lore of like the one 
there can be only one became like a thing, like their sort of religion of, or sort of sorts. Right. Yep. You yep. know what I mean, like who figures that out? How do you know there's a gathering? How do you know there's a prize? You know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. But but there's moments where we do figure out that like there's more than just absorbing people. Um, there's a connection to like the world, like nature. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, we see in the modern day, Brenda's um, she's digging further into the case, like I mentioned, um, on her own. And McCrowd has I, I, oh, another sorry. question. I, I, have a quick, I have a quick question, Heidelberg. You know, yeah. it, going more into the lore. Sorry, it, it, just because this film did interest me a lot, and so I'm I'm curious if you have thoughts on it. Ramirez clearly sought Connor out, right? He didn't just stumble upon him out of nowhere. Yeah, and it seemed almost like spurned, like as if he knew that the Kurgan was after him. You know, as yeah. if he like had heard about the Kurgan wanting this Highlander, and then so Ramirez was like, "I'm going to seek this man out and help him prepare." Yeah. So you know? my my thinking was that the Kurgan has become so powerful, absorbing all the energy from these other mortals that he's killed, mm-hmm. that even Ramirez, who is maybe one of the other first immortals and knows the Kurgan, uh, has now is no longer as has Formidable. the same power that he did you know the kurgan has over, uh, is now overmatches him yeah and maybe he's trying to help out connor to like to w- either to warn him or to train him to help him because he knows that he's not an evil person mm-hmm. he does for sure because he tells kurgan that yeah as soon as they meet too like there's just like a camaraderie between mcleod and well, yeah like i said because uh because ramirez is not a bad guy obviously he's right. he's, a, he's a good person but like i think he i have a feeling that the kurgan and ramirez were one of uh, some of the first immortals yeah and so they're very well and like they were the original like i said i think uh they know a lot a about the prequel. lore there could be a prequel of like ramirez I'm and the kurgan up. battling each other mm-hmm. but the kurgan is now surpassed ramirez and ramirez needs to train a new immortal to like kind of warn him of the dangers of the kurgan because they definitely know each other because when the kurgan comes in later and bashes down that door he's like ramirez you know what i mean he knows him right off yeah oh yeah and then right and then as they're fighting you know he goes oh you're too late kurgan i've trained him he knows everything i know exactly yeah yeah so it's interesting there's definitely so like a, a a really good written prequel like could be awesome for sure. I don't. Yeah, I never watched the show. So I know the show's definitely gone into different um, things because there's like a dark quickening too, or something like that. There's a darkness. Oh, shit. Uh, to there's different types of, of like immortals, like the ones that um, absorb like the energy for dark deeds. They become like, I guess, you know, more like a Kurgan sort of character, like a dark. It's almost like light and darkness, you know, kind of like this, the Jedi and the Sith, if you will, too. Um, reminds me of that. Yeah. But yeah, we get this moment where. We get another flashback and it's another cool transition where our guy's in his modern day house. He's sharpening his sword yep. and then he like kind of pans over and looks over at his fish tank and it kind of pans up. And then we get like a fish and then boom, we're on the water pres- uh, past where Ramirez is training. Um, what's his name? On Him the on the boat. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I like, that's like when he water. mentions the peacock thing, too. He's like he says. Uh, he says something like, you, you dress like a woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he calls them. Uh, what, what was oh, man? I forgot what he called them. He was some kind of food. Um, oh, yeah. yeah I don't remember what it was, but yeah, bass or something like that or some shit. Something tells like him that, yeah. he's like in in like sheep's uh bladder. It was haggis. You eat it like it's a so a haggis is. I don't know if you guys have you guys ever eaten haggis before. 
No. no fuck no. I've heard, I've what heard, the fuck? I've heard of the word actually... though. <laughs> haggis. That's crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah. So haggis. I don't know if you guys have ever had it. It's actually not bad. Okay. It's uh, like a sheep's. It's a sheep stomach, and they stuff it with like you know meat and all sorts of like. Is that oh, from like, your it's, all, it's all these side? like organ that meats that are like stuffed. It, no, it's a Scottish dish. Ah. Uh, and they they um they take a sheep's sheep stomach and they stuff it with all these other types of like organ meats and uh, like whatever. And yeah, it's it's actually not bad. <laughs> it sounds disgusting, but it's actually not bad. To quote Sean Connery, "That's revolting." <laughs> <laughs> Someone here smells like a tart handkerchief. <laughs> sorry, chap. It's me. Oh, I have a haggis in my pocket. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, yeah, so we see the hair. Uh, what's his name? Can't swim. Connor can't swim. Right. Um, what's the matter? Have, this scene shows their chemistry, though. I feel like yeah. when yeah. they're talking back and forth. They're, like, their scenes, they're... Dialogue is really natural when back and forth, I think, in these roles. Because they're two different types of people, though. Like, one's a Scotsman, and then there's a Spaniard type guy from another time. You know what I mean? With the with the katana, though. Yep. You know what I mean? The rapier would have been looked more like the type of sword this guy would have carried. But the katana, the fact that he has his katana, and then he tells us why, like, how later. Yeah. That's cool. That whole, like, Dude, it's I, time in Japan sort of a story. I instantly thought of, like, Logan. And, like, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Wolverine and his time spent. That is an underrated movie, by the way. Uh, Wolverine. Uh, yeah, it's. Wolverine's I actually great. really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like the Wolverine for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, so yeah. So this moment where he tips the boat and um, Connor finds out that like I'm immortal. Yes, and then like, oh shit, I can like stay down in the water. I don't know how that works exactly. Maybe just yeah. inhale water. I don't know, or it doesn't matter if he does. Um. So, yeah, he's just down there in the ocean for a moment. It's a cool scene of just, like, Lambert down in this water, though, because it looks like they literally shot him down in some water. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that, I, like, I wonder how they got that shot, because it looks know. crazy. Either that or they put, like, a, like, water right up next to him in glass or something like that, and, like, it looks like uh, he did it. I don't know. But it looks cool. I like it. Uh, and then, like, Ramirez basically leaves him down there. So, like, he sneaks up on Ramirez and tries to get the better of him, but uh, Ramirez basically, like, fucking spins it on him. And he's yep. like gone in two seconds and on his side with the sword uh, up on his neck at that yeah. moment. And that's when he explains the lore more um, and how immortals work. And we learn of the gathering. And this the premise here is just really cool. Like we mentioned throughout history, all this stuff, like uh, just being aware of all this stuff, like, I don't know, being killed by a beheading and the victors, you know, spoils uh, absorbing. Like, it's just so it's a, such a cool premise The the. Um, like this life essence that these these guys absorb. I just think it's uh it's a shame. I, like I want to see more Highlander. They're doing a remake. Oh, are they? Highlander. Yeah, I believe. Um, I forgot. The, I also have a question too. Like as far as because obviously there were there were initial immortals like that. Uh, there has to be something like where they they knew that they they stumbled on something and they became immortal. But then there's obviously immortals that have been born throughout history. Um. Like Connor, Connor was not like born. He was not like he's not four thousand years old like Ramirez is, no. or how, however old the Kurgan is. He's you know he was born in the the fifteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. So clearly, there's there's some sort of lineage of immortals being born. And 
Uh, is this why Ramirez tells him it's like you need to like leave your? Well, you yeah, know, you can't you... have any significant others. He said we is can't bother children. Can... Is it because you can birth other immortals and then it, it kind of creates this whole so cycle? It over sounded again? like he said like we just physically can't have children, but maybe you thought more of it's like a warning, like we shouldn't have children. Like we oh, I took yeah, yeah, that's crazy because I took it the same way, bird. For me, it was just like you just can't. Doug. You're just shooting blanks out there. Yeah, that's. that's... No, see, but th- here's the thing, though, because at the very end of the movie, when he well, is that's the last one, no, when he is the last one, he is like he realizes that he is able to have children. Yeah, like, now I as the one, and I can have children and die. As the one, that's his. I think that's what he's saying, but uh, Rob, right? That's like what he gets for being the one. Yeah. Oh, see, I don't, I, I didn't see it that way. It's like it's like he gained all, right, all the basically knowledge pl- and realized right that he could. No, he's just yeah. saying it's like now I can I can have a family I can have a child like no I see I couldn't I, I before see it, totally couldn't I I see it a little bit differently I the way from the way it sounds like I just maybe I I see it as so like, you're saying like they just could the whole time and it was like a moral dilemma like they just shouldn't yeah I don't think so because then like they would have people have been making how, like armies would, of like immortals or something like that and then then is, that would have taken fun? away the special of the immortals I think the fact that well it's a very like in, minute. Here and there, like every once in a while, there's an immortal throughout the age. Exactly. Born. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a chromosome. I think it's because it's uh, well, then how is Connor born? Then? So you're so he's so, born. He's just this different. is fucking interesting. He's so you're different. you're saying, Rob, only immortals are spawned from immortals that every single yes. one that was born they're they're either their mom or their dad wasn't immortal but then there would be like a it's, not, it's not it's not necessarily every generation but it, it's like it's like it, there there is like that dna that like you know is there and it's like oh, okay well now this you know it just however like the seed has been passed down now we're having another immortal that's born in like uh uh you know yeah i don't see it that 400. way it's, it all seems random to me yeah we're getting into like it's just here. sort of uh, what every once in a while there's a special someone who's born and they're thrown in the mix of like these other immortals. You know what I mean? Um, but who knows? I mean, yeah, yeah. The fact that it can spark this kind of a of, but the of way he says it, it sounds more process. like we That's can't nice. have children. Like you haven't tried yet having a child. But I'm going to tell you right now, we can't have children. That's why he's, he, he's had many wives, but none and, never had and a child. So. And that I'll was have my thought process. Why, as well. None of the other people have tried. Like oh, every every uh, immortal we meet looks like they're like nomads, sort of, or like yeah. you know what I mean? or like. Not and shredding, I have a, like, the other thing too is like, and there's a reason why I don't think he was able to have children with Heather, and I don't think it's because he couldn't have children, but it's it's for another reason. Are you gonna say it? Well, what's the well, I, well, we haven't gotten to that scene yet, so no, I don't no. want to give it away. I think personally that they just these immortals just can't have kids. You know what I mean? It's just like a thing. It's part of their. You're immortal. It's like vampirism. You know what I mean? It's like there's certain things you can do and certain things now you can't do. And so one of those. Yeah, because like, I mean, if a vampire it. fucked a woman, she's not having a vampire, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm just. I don't know vampire lore very well. So. Yeah, mean, you know, that's the lore's completely not all, incorrect. It's not all set up, but I do think that because of that conversation, I think that's. I could see how you could see it the other way too. But, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, but we see Ramirez as the. Um, you know, he's the one who owns the because you kind of see the katana here. So you're like, oh, shit, that's the katana that what's his name has back in the present. So we automatically know, like, oh, shit, he passed it down to him. Yep. Um, Yeah. And then we find out there's a connection to like nature to uh, it seems Ramirez shows him like that last step or whatever, um, like absorbing like all things, maybe. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe the immortals can just sort of feel it. They don't know whether you have to be able to hone into it, though. Dude, so that's interesting. You just made me think of this, Bert. Because remember when he first meets up with him too, and they that they first kind of start talking, Ramirez and uh, Connor. That that like the sky turns dark. It like mm-hmm. gets gray and like thunder hits. Like it's like as they're experiencing that quickening, it's like like that. It's it's kind of pulling that energy Magnetic. out. So I think that kind of like speaks more to what you're talking about right now. How it's like. Like they they're in tune with that, and then it, yeah. it gets it gets pulled on as they as they meet each other, you know. What and I mean? if you know how to use it, so like there's that moment where he teaches them, and then they run on the beach, and yeah. he teaches them like feel that elk, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost like Connor now that he can feel the elk, he can run like the elk, you know what I mean? Right. Like that's, yep. All of a sudden, he can run super fucking fast, you know what I mean? And Ramirez yeah. is like, yeah, that scene yeah, was yeah. sick, dude. I liked that. He tapped into it, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's almost like, yeah, if you're good at this, you can use things around you your set your atmosphere and i mean like your environment like you're more in tune with everything and i guess as as you absorb maybe more you become more powerful maybe um yeah you know you're more in tune with that so but maybe the kurgan's more in tune with say the negative side of the world you know what i mean where it's this seems like you're in tune more with positive like life uh, i don't know it's interesting though yeah super um also to to mention what we were saying though um i did write down Rob, this does talk on your point a little bit because um the the word quickening um quickening is a um, there's one term quickening is a is when a pregnant person starts to feel their baby's movement in their uterus um in the yeah. womb. Uh, it feels like flutters, bubbles, or like tiny pulses. Uh, but then there's also another uh, meaning for it too that I was saying a metaphysical meaning of quickening, uh, quickening spiritual an inflow of yeah. divine uh, vitality into the body, which follows the affirmation of truth to. To quicken is to make alive. The quickening of the spirit in the uh, the mortal body makes it eternal and incorruptible, not subject to death or corruption. And uh, and uh, Berg on that, you know, I in church they talk. I've heard them talk about it often, where it's like that the quickening of the spirit. It's it's mm-hmm. also kind of like something to let you know that something is off, right? It's that it's that kind of like like you. It's like something that you you would sense, right? Like when if you but also like the, the absorption or, too of the, yeah, the, yeah. Like the quickening of you know, like you said, the Holy Spirit, you know, right? Um, exactly. It and it's just like it's kind of there to let you know, like, oh, this is like something yeah. is wrong here. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was interesting because I kind of looked it up. I'm like, well, the quickening. I kind of want to look into that because I feel like that's a term used um outside of this movie for things. Um, I've heard it before, so yeah. Kind of went down. Yeah, like no, totally. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good pickup there, Bert. And sure. I kind of like that there were two meanings too. There's like you know the the one that cues into like life as far as pregnancy, but also that's this metaphysical sort of um interesting uh take on it. Um, Ramirez tells Connor he can't have a family, which we already discussed. Uh, actually, the discussion that we had here was uh, even better than I thought it would go for just this little bit. Um, and I do like this moment, like he speaks on the Japanese thing, and this guy who made his sword. Yep, him was the father of the woman that he was very much in love with. The last yeah, love yeah, of his yeah. life, he said he's had like four throughout mm-hmm. the years. Um, and that that this sword was like um, a one of a kind, just like his daughter. And I just kind of thought that was very poetic. The way yeah. he spoke. And then we find out later on it was one of a kind, and this is possibly like the first katana ever created. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly, because it was like it was. You know, several like like a thousand years before, like the first like folded how many hundred times was made was made right folded two hundred times two hundred times like the metal yeah yeah like even the little chunk of it were missing out of it it was like no big deal it's like fuck it's still a fucking amazing sword you know what I mean um yeah so uh 
you know, Connor didn't listen though to the advice of Ramirez about not having a family. You know, so I mean, it seems like he's still staying around with his lady. Yep. And so Ramirez because he, cause he loves because he loves Heather. He does um, love Heather, and I think Heather. No, it, it seems like Heather knows that he's an immortal, obviously because Ramirez yeah. is around him. So and like, they she talk knows about their training, like right. You know something for sure. Well, and as you um, start to get old as shit, and the person you've been with the whole time is not, it's like yeah. you know you're gonna. That's the, that's the other thing. Is like when did like because they're immortal, obviously, but and uh, you know do they stop aging at some point and then they become that's immortal? True, like, because yeah, he's like still in his like thirties. Maybe he just ages a lot slower. That's what yeah, I was thinking. Be. Maybe mm-hmm. because uh, Ramirez looks about... a little older. Exactly. Yeah, and and the Kurgan looks a little older. But then the, then that means that the Kurgan should probably look the oldest because right. But who knows? Maybe because he feeds on he heartily on souls. Maybe it depends on how much you feed too. You know what I mean? How many people you take? Because some people don't. Question. Some people are more passive and don't necessarily seem like they're going after other Highland. I mean, um, immortals, right? So Word. yeah, well, that's maybe good, age that's more if you don't do point. that. You know what I mean? But if you feed more often, then you'll stay younger. Or who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, and that was to... the sequel to uh, The Shining that you're talking about, Bird. Doctor oh, Sleep. Doctor Sleep. Yeah, <laughs> the mess. It's a good movie, by the way. It's, I don't really like it that much, but it's it's okay. Some people. Uh, really but like I it. just want I just wanted to touch on uh, the the lady who plays Heather McLeod. Uh, her name is uh, uh, Beatty Edney. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of film and TV credits, uh, and recently. Uh, what people might recognize her from recently, she was a judge in Andor, the Star Wars show. Oh, mm. cool! I did watch Andor. It's good. Slow burn. Um, Star Wars. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Ramirez and Connor they discuss the first time that he felt the quickening and who the Kurgan are. Ramirez um mentions, you know, like we mentioned, that he's the strongest of the immortals, the perfect warrior. If he wins the prize, uh, mortal men would suffer an eternity in darkness. Sounds awesome. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Connor says, how do you fight such a savage? And Ramirez says, with heart, faith, and steel. In the end, there can be only one. And I just kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. great. Uh, that night while talking with Heather, Ramirez feels Kurgan's return. Yeah. Apparently, I don't. we don't know, but, you know, um, Connor went somewhere. Well, who knows? He went to go get something. We don't know where he went, but yeah, he was he somewhere. Went into town or I don't know. Um, but yeah, he went there and he left, you know, what's his name to watch his wife or whatever. And we hear Ramirez talking about something that happened with a lady or whatever. Maybe one of the loves of his life. They're talking. Right. But yeah. He feels something. It's off all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And then uh, before he can really do anything with Heather, Kurgan fucking just kicks down the door like a fucking barbarian, bro. Yeah. Um, and he still got his gear. He doesn't have the helmet on, but yeah, he's got the chest plate still like right. The bones and shit. Yep. Right. Looking fierce. They go at it. Ramirez wounds Kurgan like right away, almost taking his head and like severing. Yeah. He almost decapitated him, but like he slices his neck. Yeah. And he's he can still talk a little bit too. And even uh, Ramirez says that moment too. He's like, "Your voice sounds better. Your voice is better now. Yeah, your voice sounds better." (laughs) Which is that wild scar we were talking about earlier when we see when you first see him pop up and you see Mm -hmm. that like. That and crazy, it's just like damn. It's like it gets that? worse over the course of the movie. Like, well, it looks it's more like he, the safety pins. It's like he put it in himself or something. Like he was going for this crazy look. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, there's like look that he goes to, and he shaves his head too, and then does the safety yeah. pins. Like I don't know, um, for sure. 
I don't know. But they fight up the structure as it falls apart around them from the like the quickening, I guess. Um, it's pretty badass. It's like all yeah. you know, a real set. And like the tower is fucking falling apart too. Like yeah. it's so it's great. It's all done uh practically. So oh l- let me just talk a little bit about that tower. There was yes, it was a set that they built, mm. but it was not as tall as you would think. Cause when you see it from like the from the distance, the top half of the tower, that is all a like, painting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, but they don't really like, go up all the way up there anyway, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's crumbling, it, and then, but like that scene where like they're up against the wall and the wall crumbles away, like that's all real. That's like all foam block and yeah. stuff like that being pulled. So away. after it's after it's destroyed, and you just see like the staircase, like yeah. that's essentially like what how tall the set really was. Oh, cool! It's cool though. It's a it's a cool bit of like movie magic. I think this scene. Yeah, going well, it looks great. Fighting. Fantastic. Uh yeah. Uh, Kurgan runs Ramirez through though. And asks him about the woman. And Ramirez claims it's his own and not McLeod's, yeah. which is good because he knew what was going to happen. He's trying to save her that. It's then that Kurgan beheads Ramirez, unfortunately. Uh, I wish we got more Ramirez, to be honest. But yeah, we do on the I would have loved more Ramirez. He's in the sequel. Um, and Ramirez claims, uh, yeah, that that's his lady. Uh, one last time doing something, a good deed, you know? And then, yep. um, what's his name? Um, I guess he grabs Heather there. We don't. We, yeah, we see that so, part. Uh, yeah, yeah. So here, here. So obviously, like he collapses from taking uh, Ramirez's power, and he probably has. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Quite a bit, and so Heather looks down. It's like, oh, is he dead too? Yeah, that's. And that's when he grabs her, and we find out later that he actually he did her. Ra- raped her and ravaged her. Yeah, and this is where I go back to like why I think that they couldn't have kids is I think the Kurgan like you know it messed her up. And like she couldn't have kids, I don't think it was because the immortals can't have children. I just think you went down a crazy path. Uh, yeah, I, just... I think I think the reason she didn't have a baby is because guess what, Rob? Immortals can't have kids. So yeah. even though the Kurgan <laughs> fucking came in her, there was no baby. Well, yeah. it's all right. You guys can be wrong. One, That's if fine. she was raped, wouldn't she have a child then? Not necessarily. Why? Because he's he's the Kurgan. He knows how to pinch it at the right moment or something. Like if he if he. Most times with rape, it's people don't pull out for rape. It's like they, it's all they that go doesn't all the mean way, that you know they I mean? get pregnant too. It's not always a hundred percent. Rob, you got to pick a side here, buddy. You're wasn't a, Connor? I mean, wasn't year. Connor beating that thing yeah. down though? So the whole time Connor was in there, he yeah, didn't they get they would have had either? a baby. I immortals can't have babies. We'll Google it later. We'll figure it out. Uh, for right now, though, it's up in the air. We'll figure it out. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, listeners, write in if anybody's really nerdy about the Highlander lore. Please let us know. I'd love to know. Can their boys swim? Can their boys swim, or like, what's going on with down there? Like, you know what I mean? What are they shooting? How are immortals created? What happens? Like, when two immortals tell us love each other again. Well, see, son, when two immortals love each other, there's a sparks fly, and uh, you know, broken. Are glass there any female there. immortals? Because we don't see any. Uh, yeah, I believe there are, but we don't see them in this movie. Uh, that would have been cool, though. Like, I want like the Red Sonia of immortal movie, like of Highlander. You know what I mean? Oh, that Maybe could be lady centric. Highlander film. That'd be dope. It would be like a Highlander Hitchcock. Whatever, man. Kill Billish for sure. Yeah, but that'd be cool. Um, damn it, Rob. I lost my place in my Sorry. Notes. So Ramirez is dead. Yes, uh, Ramirez is dead. That's right. Uh Ramirez is dead. And then we cue in what with Connor's like history. Um we see this is what's weird too. 
Connor's nowhere to be seen. Ramirez dies. And then the next scene is we see this is I don't like this part. We see the history between Rachel and Connor. And Rachel's like this added on character that doesn't really service anything. She's his assistant. But we see that he saved her from like the Germans in World War Two. It's just a way to show us like, oh, look, he's been in, you know, Nazi Germany. But we don't spend any time there. It's just this one moment. And I he guess that, that he's a like a weird. daughter figure, sort of. That's thing. what I took it as. He couldn't have kids, right? And it's like he's yeah, there's never like had a, a kid. He just he, he's coming. I I took it as like he's coming off of losing his girl, right? And he's trying to do good out here in the world. And then he comes across this situation where you know this little girl lost her family. He was able to save her, and so now he's like you know becoming the surrogate. He's he's moving in there to yeah. to but to feel weird because it's like it just kind of juts in there. And it's like. I feel it like is weird. closed off the Ramirez and yeah. Heather moment. And then when he went nomad later, then we can cut to World War II and see that in like a chronological order sort of. Totally. Yeah. This is me it's shooting like, the movie Bale for sure. Yeah. I just, but, yeah. But that's sort but of like, out of place for some reason. Yeah. Like we said, when you I, like movies, you're you, it's easier yeah, to do that. You know, what I, I just mean? noticed like, that I was just sort of like, what? Why are we touching on World we War II right her now? As like the, the curator of his, like yeah. he's an antiquities dealer. Yeah, yeah. So she essentially she's his secretary, mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily have, like. Is she just a secretary? Kind of, I like, took it like he's Batman, sort of, and she's sort of like the Alfred, you know. Yes, in a sense, but also yeah. Like a I mean, that's figure. what it ends up becoming, and then Barbara but Gordon. we find out like her origin story is like you know she was rescued by Connor mm-hmm. in World War Two. It's like what's your name, Rachel, and yeah. it's like and he gets shot in the back. It's like as he's trying to rescue her, and like when he doesn't, she's like you're not dead. It's like. It's magic. Yeah, it's magic. And then it's like, and then if he has that confrontation with that German soldier, it's like, and it's like, he's like, oh, yeah, you're the master race. And he like mm-hmm. ends up like shooting him. And it's like, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a little tacked on, to be honest. I, 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 if I was going to remove one thing from the film, yeah, yeah, I could have done without that. For sure. I would too. Uh, dude, but. <laughs> The, his store is either the dustiest antique store or they pumped a lot of fucking smoke into this scene because there's this moment where she's like closed the door behind him and the moonlight like shines through the stop of the it's shop. Weird. It's yeah. like revealing all these like plumes of fucking smoke. It's real like the setting is like real old timey mood sort of I guess they're going for yeah. it. Like you said, a noir sort of vibe. Yeah, a little bit. The uh, oh, sorry, I forgot to mention real quick uh, the character of Rachel Ellenstein. Um, she is played by Sheila Gish. Uh, she's been in like a lot of like British TV and film credits, but most people are going to recognize her from Highlander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just I just noticed this scene though. The two times that I watched this movie this week, I was just like, "Damn, that's a lot of fucking smoke, bro!" Like, what are you doing in there? Are you just like, rustling? There I guess they're antiques, but like, are they that dusty that like you're rustling them around? Like, there's just like dust floating everywhere because it's indoors. And then every time Christopher Lambert like opens a door and comes through a building, it's like the moonlight. It's like nighttime and like smoke in the background. I'm like, OK, I get it. Set in the mood. Maybe maybe they have magical powers and like that. His, his is fog powers. When, he's just yeah, able when to a Highlander, like this... when a, an immortal shows up into the room, it's like Dracula. There's like, yeah, yeah fog and mist. <laughs> yeah. Sort of sparks or something. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Have their little thing. Uh uh-uh. Anyway. Um, yeah. So then we do um, we get back to. After the World War II side tangent, for some reason, we see Brenda having Connor over for dinner at her place, right? Set, setting him up to uh, record him and has a gun. Yeah. 
So she's like, yeah, she left a recorder on. She's got a loaded revolver stash. Connor finds her gun as he's in the other room. She's kind of like getting dressed, um, putting her earrings on or whatever. And he's like, I like your place, Brenda. I like this scene, though. Like they jump through each other's hoops a little bit because uh, they're both kind of like up to up to something. Yeah. It's like He brought like a gift for her and stuff. And then he calls her out on her bullshit. I like that moment where he's like, uh, she's like, what are you going to do? Because like he mentions the guy outside, which is like the detective mm -hmm. we mentioned. The detective's traveling, like, watching him, I guess. Um, You're right. Or her, because he kind of knows, like, something's going on between both of them. And so, but she's not aware of the detective. So now she's like, oh, shit, what's going on with that? Like, she doesn't yeah. really know what's going on. She just wants to know more about the sword. And so she's like, uh, what are you going to do? And he's like, what are you going to do? Question is, what? Well, no, question is, what are you going to do? Turn off the tape, or are you going to shoot me with the forty-five? And I kind of just like that bit. He was like, it was like a good flex. Yeah. Yeah. Dialogue-wise, I just kind of like that moment. And she instantly takes the bullets out of the gun. Like, no, 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 no. Like, it doesn't matter. I just had the gun in case, like, shit went weird. But I just want to know about the sword, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then we cut to uh, Ramirez, uh, Connor, and Heather after Ramirez's death, which is just sort of weird, the placing of this scene. They kind of stumbled out a little bit, I think. I think, so Here, here's why I think that they place it where they did, because I think that Connor sense Heather has never loved another woman. Yeah, has so they never been with another woman. Some Brenda there. And yeah, and whereas like this, there is some sort of bond that Connor and Brenda are gonna start building now. And this is like where they're gonna start falling in love. And maybe he feels yeah, like that. it's and it's so it maybe like it's trying to remind us of like of like that there's this love burgeoning, but we're also remembering Heather and like man, I, the Queen soundtrack at this at this point of the movie is fucking who wants uh, to live forever, forever. I, who dares to love yeah. forever oh it's, it's so it's good it's amazing dude. i it's really good it gets it gives like tingles um yeah and, I think, like, and then you get like and then you get the orchestral vibe of the queen soundtrack too yeah. and it's just like fuck dude this I is i think you're right but at the same time like ramirez's death i think should have been a little bit weightier we don't really get any closure on that it's like okay he gets his head chopped off i guess whatever it's just we never get that I, moment I of like what's his name coming they, home and seeing that. The... Yeah, I wonder if like this is maybe several months or like maybe a year after Ramirez's death, and like I, they still have the ruins there. Yeah, no. and they're so. But they, they still, still have a house remember. next to it. Like that was another building. They, they had, already like, a smaller had that cottage, there. and then they had that yeah. it was like their barn, what thing or whatever their mill, or whatever the fuck that was in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, that's what that was. But yeah, like you said, well, yeah, we get this moment where they grow old with one another. Well, she grows old and he can't, you know, return the favor, actually. But but he sees her to the her her end, you know, and he buries her. And then, yeah, we get that moment where Queen plays more over that. Um, oh, dude, it's, it's so like it is. And we see that he leaves he leaves his McLeod sword behind. I like that moment where we're seeing like the vision, like POV from the sword. Because this is where he is no longer Connor McLeod. He's going to take on a new persona. Yeah, that was no matter to this point in his life, you know. Um, and that's where he, he leaves, picked up the. That's where he picked up Ramirez's sword and he took takes down Ramirez's with him. blade. Yep, and he burns the hut and leaves. And this is the beginning of Highlander as a nomad. Yeah, like where he just kind of moves around throughout history. And these are the moments of his life that I'm super curious about. Mm -hmm. yeah dude i like, like said there, there's a hundred the stories character. that you can tell yeah from, from this and i can't remember if the show actually is a, i don't think i think the the show is about a descendant of his so i don't know 
or something like that. So maybe there yeah. is some. See that some, I want to know about like maybe there's a Connor's adventures. Yeah, exactly for sure. We see him present meeting with another immortal, and that's where we get uh, Castigar, right? That's his name. Yeah. Oh, Castigar. Yeah. Castigar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about Castigar. Uh, Hugh uh, Quarshi. Um, he's in films like Nightbreed. He's also all uh, just like um, um, one of our other characters, also in the Phantom Menace. Mm. Oh, that's fucking interesting, nice. man. But I wonder if so. Here's here's my guess: is that we have Bob Anderson and uh, Peter Diamond, who have been like with the Star Wars franchise, doing like, a lot of the stunt coordination, and they're like, "Hey, I like this guy, and I like this guy. Why don't you use them in the film?" That's probably how they got into the Phantom Menace. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of a uh, Lando type. So he's he is the bodyguard in uh, the Phantom Menace mm-hmm. that's trying to protect uh, what is um, it the, uh, the princess? Amidala. Yeah, the Queen Amidala. Yeah. yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah, I do remember that. I remember that garb that he was in. He had like a blaster. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we meet. We see them meet, and they speak on the last party that they were together. They like last time <laughs> they were together. But the, uh, this moment, like this scene's kind of out of place too, because this scene plays. Also, could have been cut. It doesn't show anything about their relationship. Uh, Castigar is not in this scene. Like, no. he speaks on it as if they met there, but then yeah. we don't actually see anything about. He doesn't walk off after this scene and then meet Castigar, or uh, there's no ball or any party where then he. Yeah, I got a little bit meet. confused in this part. Yeah, it's what? like we go back on this scene where it was like there's a flashback of Connor challenged by a Duke or something, and they fight, but Connor's immortal and drunk, so the Duke like shoots. Um, well, he can't kill him, so like he basically gives up, and he's got this helper who's like a kiss ass, like, like that dude is in love with yeah, that he's guy. in love with him. Like he's definitely trying to kiss on his hand, kiss on his face, and the guy's like, "Please get off me." Yeah, but yeah, he like pulls out the guns, like, "Sir, you have to shoot him. Don't you can't let him get away." <laughs> Hodgkins, his name was. Yeah, and he's like, the Duke ends up shooting him in the back, which I I, I thought it was like funny, but the scene just doesn't do it. Doesn't play anything. Does, could totally do it. Could. We could put something completely, uh, something extra in the show film me them meeting outside of this. Show me more lore about or something about Highlanders. Exactly. I mean, you know, I that's my that's but. my point. Yeah. Yeah. Show me Castigar and him reminiscing, or I don't know, finding out, or like, or like some sort of adventure with him and Castigar. You know, like, or like, you know, yeah, for like yeah, 10 something minutes. they got into. Ten minutes doing that or whatever. I don't care. Just anything better than what they showed us here. It didn't work. Um. There's a couple moments where the film definitely does have these side tangents that don't work as good, though. Then we yeah. cut back to Kurgan at his hotel, and the t- the Terminator vibes here are absolutely intentional. They have to be. He comes out of like the out of the elevator, yeah. And even the music just feels like Terminator. Ask the way they shoot him, like coming down the hallway, and um, we get to, the guy. That's where we get the guy. He's like, "Hey Rockefeller, how'd you like candy?" She says, "You yeah. were kind of kinky, eh?" You big old. Yeah. And then he's ah, like, "Don't ah, ever ah, speak sh- to me ever." snatches him up yeah and he totally bitches the guy out and that's yeah that's why he's like i hope you get your head cut off asshole and you have that like other like uh transient that's in there that's like laughing his ass off yeah and he's like don't you fucking laugh and then we get uh bro dude driving a firebird cuts through the alleyway and he sees two men fighting with swords he backs up he's a marine he grabs a gun and he goes in like the punisher yeah Definitely yeah, because he sees he sees uh uh Cassig- uh Castigar and uh, the Kurgan fighting. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" So the Kurgan's so, but them he's down. he's like, 
you know, we talked about this like with um our it reminds me of the, one of the guardian angels or something like one of those crazy yeah crazy the, well we talked about that in the watchman episode like as far mm-hmm. as like you know these uh guys that are going around town and like hey well i'm gonna take they're the vigilantes that are trying mm-hmm. to take things and Madison matters into their own hands and he has this shirt that says like hey russia eat this or something like you know it's yeah. like this missile that's going to the kremlin or whatever uh <laughs> So it's so weird, but the guy, yeah, he's the, guy wild who's play, uh, the guys, the character name is uh, Kirk Matunis, mm-hmm. uh, played by uh, Christopher Malcolm. Right. And he is look, he's an unstable war vet, but uh, he's been in a lot of bit parts. Like he's been in a lot of films, but like kind of more of like uh, these very small parts. He's been in films like he's been in Empire, The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Force 10 from Navarone, which we'll be t- talking about in the future. And Superman three, dude. We got a ton of Star Wars interaction in this film. Yeah, we, we really mean, do. Also, look at the timing of it when it came. It's eighty six, so te- yeah, that would make sense yeah. as well. But yeah, if this took place later on, and all these guys had been in Star Wars films throughout the years. Uh, but actually, yeah, yeah they have still. Because uh, you mentioned that one dude was in Phantom Menace. A lot of these are early, uh, newer films that they're in too. Newer Star mm-hmm. Wars. Yeah, like uh, yeah, like I said, the the chick who played Kate McCloud, Cassigier. They were in the Phantom Menace together. Uh, you have, um, yeah, and you have this guy who is uh, uh, like, I think he was another pilot or another bit actor in The Empire Strikes Back. So yeah, yeah. it's just there. And then obviously we have Bob Anderson and P- Peter Diamond who were stunt coordinators and flight coordinators for uh, Star Wars. So there's definitely they they knew these people and uh, hey, Star Wars. Yeah. So would you say the force is strong with this one? I'm guessing. Yeah, there can only be one force, a uh, force holder. <laughs> there can be only one. There can yeah. be only one force. There can only be one. It's like it, there can only be one force holder. That's that's what the Highlander is part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm fuck, place in I'm fucking with you. No, I don't. And, I don't actually Endgame. believe that. Yeah, it's a Disney property for sure. Uh. So yeah, then we get we get um Kurgan's um absorption. He kills. He ends up killing um Castigar, and then um and then we get like Punisher, this. It, um, it's this weird comical moment. Like it's like, hey mom, and like like this like old couple that pulls up in their Cadillac. I fucking love that actually, but I like the moment. So I, I do the too. Punisher guy observes uh, the killing of Castigar, and he sees what starts happening. Right. Like as as that happens, like he turns around and he blasts fucking. The, the Kurgan. Kurgan, right before the Kurgan does the quickening or whatever. But then the quickening happens, right? Oh, no, then he, um, yeah, that, no, then he, like, skewers this dude and then yeets him off his sword. Yeah. He holds him in the ah. air, like, fucking seven feet and then yeets him yeah. off that thing into the wall. And then, and then he observes, as he's, like, bleeding out, he observes the quickening and what happens. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. that's when the old couple stops down the alleyway. Everybody starts looking down the alleyway because... They see Is the that and, stuff. and there's broken glass throughout the windows and this dude. Yeah. Then he books it out of there. I love that. He grabs his sword. He books it out of there. Yeah. And he grabs. He doesn't grab the firebird. Instead, nope. he grabs this like he has a type of car that it seems like he likes. He likes his beaters. These big beaters. He, he likes just, the, like, he likes the, the big s- boats. Dude, he just like cuts the, the fucking roof off with his sword and then peels it back. Throws the husband the guy out. out. And then yeah. like has the lady in there. And he's like, hi, and mom. She's grabbing, she's grabbing on like fucking. Uh, you hear uh, it too? She's uh, like, daddy, help. Yeah. Daddy. She's grabbing on like it's a uh, uh, death proof. Like help on me, the daddy. fucking like. 
<laughs> yeah, she fly. The next scene we see her, she's like off on the front end. Like she, we're led to believe that she just flew off the car at some point, you know, and he left her behind, you know, or but ran it's her so over. So weird, but I love it's, it. Yeah, it's funny though. She's like, "Help me, daddy!" Like speaking about her husband. Uh, the, but the marine lives, and so he's at the hospital later, and he won't finger McLeod because he. They show him a picture, and he's like, "No, nah, that's not the dude. Totally not. That, me and this dude went at it. I know what this dude looks like." So. They work with the uh, he's going to work with the sketch artist to come up with a sketch for what our guy looks like. So they're going to be able to pass around. Right. Be on Kurgan. Uh, but at that moment, too, yeah, he tells the cops, like, come in closer. I want to tell you something, though, about what happened. then." And the cops got they got nothing uh, at that moment. But they they believe him up until this moment. And then he shares with them about the glowing light and the absorbing energy. And then they like when they're walking out, they're like, yeah, OK, psycho. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. OK, what are we supposed to do with that? Bro? Way to go. Like, no mention of. Do the sketch artist, but no mention of this fucking energy bullshit. Like, no yeah, way. yeah, uh, yeah. It's funny too because he's looking at him like, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because he's like a conspiracy type guy, obviously. Totally. But this one time he saw some shit. You know what I mean? So it's his cons- his conspiracies are validated because he saw some shit once. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the next scene is what McLeod goes to light a candle for uh, what's her name's um, birthday for Heather. Yeah. Oh, uh, Brenda also finds out that uh, Connor's name is isn't Nash, and mm-hmm. that Nash isn't real. That he's passed how he's passed his riches on to himself throughout the years. That yeah. it's an alias or whatever. Yeah, or it was a person that died, or whatever. So she kinda... he goes by the name of Richard Nash in this time period, but mm-hmm. he's actually really Connor McLeod. Yeah, and she finally starts finding out about. You know, she kind of finds paperwork here and there and she figures out things right this is that like de- detective Obviously. investigative kind of itch gets scratched here right it's her like putting things together and you know the the discovery period and yeah this yeah is... for her for her character for sure let me and see McCloud goes, goes to hmm oh i was saying like you know because she goes to some like signature expert and he's like yeah this person's lived for like a hundred you know uh, 400 years <laughs> it's like well what? she goes so yeah but doesn't she? One of the guys that she talks to isn't he a doctor or something like that? That had to do with like, oh yeah, it's birth. like and like Richard Nash, like he tell like he delivered he, the kid. He checks for his birth records, and it's like oh yeah, I remember that story. You know that uh that birth, and it's like yeah, like the the mother was a single mom, and she gave birth and died in childbirth, and then the child died right after that. For a moment, it sounded so, like, like the kid lived, and then like. Then all of a sudden yeah. he's like, no, and then the son only lived for about another three more minutes or some shit. Or- and so right. those are the identities that um, that Connor takes mm-hmm. of like these young babies who died in birth. Yeah. We see McLeod. He goes to light a candle for Heather's birthday at a church and Kurgan shows up at the church. Love this scene. Yeah. He snuffs out Heather's candle. Because, yeah, because the the uh, our our unstable vet. Uh, he gives a because disc- they they show him a picture of Connor's like is this who you saw? Nah, man. Yeah, he uh, he did a description to the artist, and we know that it's mm-hmm. the Kurgan. So yeah, yeah. Now it's and that's what now the now like that that information is out there. So the Kurgan changes his appearance and he shaves his head, and mm-hmm. it's it's all like this weird prosthetic that uh, Clancy Brown is wearing. It's like it's, he shaved uh, it with a knife, like a really sharp knife. You know what I mean? Yeah, like really but like, cause, but some of his hair is still there, and he also mm-hmm. has this like gnarly like snake tattoo across his fucking head. And when they show it from the back, it looks like a penis. Yeah, <laughs> the, the back view it totally does. looks like it's it shaped. So it's like does. This, this is like bul- it bulges out a little bit and comes up, and it totally looks like the head of a of a wiener. 
But yeah, I and guess it's a prosthetic maybe. It almost looks like his real head. Yeah. But yeah, well, that's part of the lore we forgot about. Like holy ground is one of the terms that's one of the, the So is it the any holy ground? Place. So like a so like a church, a mosque. The only thing a that temple. everybody will honor almost. You know what I mean? Even even the worst people like the Kurgan. Right. It's the one thing they all acknowledge is like holy ground. You can't fight on holy ground. I want so here here's another question I have. What if there was if like let's say the Kurgan broke the idea I don't know. Of, like, it sounds you know, like God, like as if God himself would like fucking. I don't know. See, like, this is where to. I would I would love to have like an almost like have an origin story of like what mm -hmm. how these immortals even got started. Yeah, it would be and like and why should... and why there's rules because there doesn't it shouldn't be that there's any rules, but there yeah. is. Well, there have been rules over. The, I mean, I don't know if these are rules that were set originally or just things that have kind of fell into place throughout the years, and then people have kind of just gone that way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it's an interesting. Actually, this is giving me an idea for a story. All right, we'll <laughs> put a pin in it. Uh, for sure. Yeah, put a pin in it and fucking. You're talking about like a like a movie? Well, Don't a movie say. or a book or something. Don't say it out loud. Yeah, yeah. No, because it uh, somebody will steal it. No, no. I, I I'm keeping keep this that IP myself. to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Cinemigos production. Uh, Rob, uh, Rob, the cinematic pervert presents whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, whatever you're gonna say, whatever the movie's called. Uh, but yeah, I find it fucked up too that like the scene starts with like Heather's candles getting fucked up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, whether the Kurgan knows yeah, that he well, did he that or not, I don't know candles. if he does. I think he's just a dickhead and he's snuffing the candles. Period. Because that's yeah. just disrespectful to do at a church. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Yeah. So his hair's cut like like we mentioned. Uh, his got the safety pins on his neck. Yeah. He speaks of killing Ramirez. Looks like a punk rocker, dude. He does. Yeah. He speaks of killing Ramirez here and raping his woman, and it's now that he realizes that McLeod's lady it was all along. Yep. And McLeod finally yeah. finds out at this moment that his woman was raped. He didn't know either. And and Heather never told him. No, she never said a word. No. Nope. And she never got pregnant because um, immortals can't have babies. Uh, no, please. So Ramirez knew that he. Um, <laughs> Ramirez knew that he'd kill her if he knew it was Connor's lady, so that you know he took he took the blame and basically said it was his own. Um, and she obviously never spoke of it. So, and this is like I like this one on one between them in this setting. The holy ground being neutral ground. I like this moment of them, Connor, you know, grabbing him, uh, but not being able to necessarily do anything. And the Kurgan sort of like challenging him, almost like, "Yeah, hey, you're gonna do something." Mm -hmm. Holy ground. Um, and that at this moment, they're supposedly the the final two, possibly in the world. I guess I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that, that I mean, uh, according to the Kurgan, so it's, like, to be, it's just yeah, you and me left, buddy, yeah, that they're aware of. Uh, and then so Connor says, you know, I'm waiting for you, whatever. I'll wait outside. You know, I'm ready. Fine. Whatever. And then Kurgan basically says, like, whatever, we'll fight when, you know, in due time, it's coming. Uh, and then so Connor leaves and then Kurgan, the priest is basically like, because we could see everybody sees the scene is like, oh, man, what the fuck's going on with this guy? So everybody's starting to leave the church or like at right. least distance themselves from this situation. The Kurgan licks the priest's hand. Yeah, fucking gross. Yeah. When he wiggles his tongue at the at the yeah, and then he has nuns. that moment that Rob said. Yeah, it's cool. Uh it's definitely got Terminator vibes, sort of too. I thought, or something of um, another film around this time too that it reminded me of. Um, kind of like a Scarface moment too. You know, what I mean, like say say goodbye like to, the, to the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Connor heads home with Brenda. We'll wrap it up. Um, he shows her his collection basically. And he tells her of, you know, his blessing slash curse, uh, you know, whether she believes him or not, she doesn't believe him. Obviously, uh, it seems he tells her who he is and that he's immortal. 
And then, uh, you know, she stabs him, right? He makes her stab him in the stomach to show, proving to her that he's immortal. Like, that's what it takes. Um, and it also made her really horny because uh, they instantly go to bed after. She's mortified. Well, it's also 1986, so of course we're going to have yeah, like, an awesome kissing. sex scene. And it's pretty good sex scene, I guess. I mean, as far as sex scenes go, it's all right. Um, yeah. She says goodbye to him, and the Kurgan sees this. Uh, and he goes after her, which was smart. The Kurgan's not a dummy, you know. What nope. I mean? Like he knows. All right, here's he knows what he's doing. I get to my. So he's head. also he he has also been like because they're they they uh while they're talking in the park afterwards is like well I can't I can't be with you I just I can't go through that again. Well, this and... is why immortals aren't supposed to be with people. Yeah, why they can't have children, possibly why they either genetically can't have children because it's a curse, you know, being an immortal in a sense. So it's like, you know what I mean. Why would you pass that on to somebody? Right. But uh, but we also see that the Kurgan is shadowing them. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. and that's where like uh, they, they depart. She goes back to her apartment. And this is like we go into another horror element here. Mm-hmm. And similar to like what we had in the hospital scene in Cobra back on our first episode. It is reminiscent. Like, when he's like, hi there, pretty. And like he just fucking like she like runs into her apartment, locks the door. But then that just stops, fucking, like, as if that's going to stop the dude. You know what I mean? That dude fucking breaks down the fucking door, and you get that great shot. Like, it's all, like, in red and fog, and, like, it's fucking horrifying. It's great. I love it. Yeah, it's pretty dope, actually. Yeah, we, I like and it. you have the music. It's like... Doosh, doosh, doosh. It's, it's like, like bathed oh, in red light, too, when he comes yeah, to the door. Yeah, it's got this great beat to it, too. And he it's chases awesome. it through the apartment, and we get another one of those over-the-shoulder sort of zoom-ins, like, chasing, like, kind of deals where the camera zooms around. Um, yeah, from a perspective, like we got when he's leaving the garden, he chases her through the apartment, which was like shot. I really like that shot, the chase camera, and he kidnaps her and takes her on the chaotic drive that we mentioned, where he's playing chicken. Yep, I really like this uh sort of scene here where he's just got you know our guy's girl. Yeah, um, and he's staying that New York, oh, dude. Just... Really cool the way they just. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much see... money they had to pay for that music. Word. So no, this is a this is a Queen song that they it was a play off of the Frank Sinatra, you know, oh, New York, New York. Okay, okay, okay. So it was already so packaged, they, yeah. it was a Queen original that it was a a parody off of New York, New York from Frank Sinatra. But you have Clancy Brown singing like New York, New York with his like you know crazy ass yeah, voice while and he's like, like driving it, on the sidewalk and like right yeah going all over, crazy people. And he's like there there's a little bit of silliness in the car. But mm-hmm. then it's like you have like the scream. It's like, blah, blah, and then you have the Freddie Mercury like screaming and starting the song. And it's like, it's so fucking great. It's all shot really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, because it's like cut, like you said, the Freddie Mercury, her screaming, him sort of antagonizing, people getting hit with the car. And then we're getting all these different camera shots of like interior shots outside him playing chicken with like big trucks. Yeah. And and like yeah. it's just terrorizing Brenda the whole time, really. And then just yeah, him singing Sinatra, and she passes out. And then Queen yeah takes over the singing. Um, they cut back to the Queen, and then we kind of zoom yeah. out, and we get this like lighting on the bridge scene, um, where he's like scraping the side of the car on the bridge or whatever, and the the yeah. pull out, and we see the car like zooming down this bridge. It's kind of like one of those side moments. Uh, like some bridges have different layer uh, levels. Or like the outside mm-hmm. lane where, you know what I mean? So it almost looks like he's in like the bike lane, lane or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or a motorcycle type lane that he's not supposed to be in. But yeah, I just love that moment. And then he leaves her. He leaves Connor a recording or something like that, I guess. 
or phone um phone message. Yeah, it's like he That's phone messages him or something like that. It's like but her screaming. Yeah. And then so Connor goes after the Kurgan, and this is basically like where we're getting to the ending here. Yeah, the penalty. Just goodbye to Rachel and Russell Nash will die. Yeah. Um, even if he beats the Kurgan, so he's got it all set, you know. He tells her, you know, there's an envelope, uh, follow the instructions on it, whatever. I'm right. sure giving her like some of his air. So I think he gives it. it I, I think he gives the entire fortune to her. I'm sure he's got to leave some back to himself, though. Maybe. Like, he probably definitely leaves a, a huge... I mean, I feel like the dude's probably super rich, so he can leave her enough to, like, set her up. Maybe he leaves the business to her. Yeah. He yeah maybe. Something else, yeah. But he still has something to... Money to do whatever he wants with, but... um, He says goodbye to her, though, and there's this moment between them that feels... I don't know if it's, like, romantic or what, where they kind of caress each other's face. Maybe it's just a loving sort of thing. I, I don't see I didn't see it a romantic. I just saw it as like, you know, this is someone Father that he's Mary cared for and like raised because he, he raised her as a little girl. So yeah. and we we obviously don't know if Rachel has her own family, like if she got married or had mm-hmm. kids or whatever. It seems like not. Uh, I, she's almost like a I, doting I, assistant. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like uh, more. I wonder if maybe like she did. And it's like this is just like this. This is his only family. It's like, hey, listen. You know, it's come time for this, and she obviously knows of his uh immort- immortality. Yeah, so this it's incarnation like, of him has to go. It's over. So. Yeah, and, and they had already planned on this. Like, hey, mm-hmm. there's going to come a time where I'm going to have to give up this identity, but I'm going to leave, you yeah. know, an inheritance to you. Follow these instructions. It's yeah. it's yours. So this is the final battle here. Brenda's tied up. She's on the silver silver cup sign. It's a dope looking scene, though. Silver cup. Uh, yeah, that signs uh, played in other things. I think Friends, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, um, that signage. Um, but I think this might be the first time it's been used in a film. Uh, but it's really cool set piece. Uh, they do battle here. Uh, McCloud tries to free Brenda from her restraints, but then Kurgan comes in, and they just start like going at it. Hey, also something I don't. Ricochet had uh, uh, oh God, Kim strapped up on on the thing. Very yeah, similar. That is true. It is similar, and it's the same director. Oh, it that is. Years, that was saying. years like, later. Damn, I know. It, actually... I'm just saying, Russell McKay, he borrowed off of himself. Yeah, that is actually funny. I wonder if that was... Some, they were like, how do we do this one moment in Ricochet? He's like, I got an idea. You like, all ever heard of Highlander? Yeah, you ever heard of a little film <laughs> called Highlander? Um, yeah, otherwise known as The Dark Knight. No, yeah, so they do battle, and Kurgan cuts the supports of the sign in this, like, whirlwind sort of swing. I kind of like this moment, because it's very barbarian, that that movie does. If you see him, he keeps swinging with his longsword and cutting yeah, the supports so that was of all, the sign. that was all a practical set. Yeah, that thing really did collapse. That's why they and... have the worst, like, stunt doubles in there doing the actual stunts. The bald yes. cap on the guy who's supposed to be Kurgan is so bad. Bro, it's bad, yeah. And I have the 4K, and it just doesn't hold up under scrutiny at all unfortunately yeah. the scene's still the dope. um but i wish and, there was more uh, swordplay between the actual actors there is some there is but yeah it's yeah the stunt doubles are there well when the word then, is uh, coming in there's sparks and then signs are falling like they're just not using the actors those are definitely stunt doubles yeah and, but the actress that was playing brenda she was like she was actually a little bit worried because there's a lot of water and there was like a lot of sparks going off with like the sword clashes and all that yeah She's, like, sure I was like, I'm scared. I'm gonna get electrocuted, dude. I don't even oh, yeah. understand how that shit worked out because that's not 
eventually her sign even falls and she's uh, tied to it and like i feel like she would have fell right on her fucking face who knows she's falling like conveniently off the building a little bit and dangling so she didn't end up taking the brunt of the fall but every other piece of signage fell onto the roof but somehow hers fell like past the roof you know what i mean anyway it's a movie but it's a cool scene i do like like the water tower falls down the water just comes rushing in like it's pretty cool. There's that moment where the Kurgan fucking swings around a little bit and he keeps swirling and then kind of swirls into like he's going down the drain almost. He goes into the water. Yep. Trying to be sly and then come up from behind. But maybe that's supposed to be reminiscent of when, you know, McLeod tried to do that to Ramirez. Oh, good point. I didn't think yeah. about that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I just thought about that now, actually, because then Ramirez comes out of the I mean, McLeod comes out of the water and the Kurgan, boom, bumps, jumps out from behind him. Out of the water, and then the water couldn't be that deep, though. <laughs> yeah, Kurgan's no. a huge, like seven foot tall dude, and then all of a sudden he just like he's on a rooftop. It's not like a he's not in a, a nine foot pool when you think about it. Yeah. Anyway, it's a good amount of water, but it wouldn't have been that much to be honest. When, now that I'm thinking about it, but it's pretty cool though. Uh, the stunt double doesn't look great. We said that bald cap really bad when they zoom in. It's all scrunched up too. You could see like it just wasn't fitting right. Uh, the entire sign falls, and then uh, so do Kurgan and um, Connor. They fall through the glass ceiling, and this is where we get the final showdown. They're in bathed in blue light in the shadow. It's pretty cool. Love that lighting. I admit, had a, lo- had a little bit of a Kill Bill feel there. Yeah, well, Kill Bill still took that. What? That's what. That's what I mean. A, like, there's yeah. plenty of other. There's a uh, action. There's a um, that original scene. I remember. There's well, there's several movies that have done it, but there's a um, Chuck Norris film that does something like that where there's an illumination of silhouettes with lighting and like you see a fight. Yeah, scene it looks silhouetted. great. Yeah. yeah, it does look cool. And these are the actors here in this moment when we're getting this The camera's basically like zooming left and right. And we're getting these moments where it looks like they're running at each other a little bit and fighting. Yeah, uh, I think it could have been a little bit better. This sword play here for a final showdown. In yeah. my opinion, it's mostly done. I feel like the camera tries to bail them out a good bit. They do some camera work to make things look a little bit more kinetic um with the energy but it's still cool because it's like the sparks coming off the swords and when they're drawn back from one another so i do like that i don't know how do you how did this sword fight land for you guys fucking awesome it's awesome i mean if you it's place so yourself good. in 85 too it's pretty cool I yeah think that, moments that's where the choreography shines and then there's moments where it's a little sluggish or something. yeah that's that's a perfect description of it exactly it's actors but... doing it that's why and if like i yeah. think our boy clancy brown was definitely more well-versed in it he trained they all trained but so he, yeah, here uh, I'm glad you brought that up because he actually uh, Clancy. I was listening to an interview with Clancy Brown talking about this, and he clearly had done a lot more work with the stunt coordinator Bob Anderson, and so he was much trying more to breathe some life into this character too, and not mm-hmm. just make him this like just killing machine. Well, yeah, and and Clancy Brown definitely had some ideas as mm-hmm. far as like you know what who the Kurgan really was, yeah, which obviously doesn't get realized on the screen, but yeah, like uh, he had done a lot more of the uh, of the work with the stunt coordinator to kind of really figure out the swordplay and all that, and so whereas uh, Christopher Lambert obviously had other you know he's the star of the film. And he's dealing English. with like the language barrier and he's he's being dragged in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And so maybe the 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 sword play doesn't you know if you're but looking they at for it like in sixteen a, weeks, I think, or something. In a twenty twenty four uh like thinking, 
this sucks. It's not that great, but it's like, but when you think about it, like uh, of the context of 1986, when this film comes out, it looks awesome. And I think, it, I mean, I, I think, think it holds up great a, job. enough, you know I mean? I don't think it's trash necessarily. I just no, think it's not trash. for a final showdown. It's like, it's bathed. It's a little lackluster. Yeah, it's it's just like a little underwhelming as far as like the end scene. Right. I just you know yeah, I, mean? I just want like the the youngins to know that are listening to us that like you know this is this was cool back in 1986. Well, I, and it's just like when because when I think back of the other ones like the one where the helicopter spots them right when Brenda's first with them like that that sword scene was badass that had a lot going on you know what I mean yeah. and there's some others with Ramirez later and some of the training montages and so there was really good choreography in some of them and then in the end you know I know we've talked about a multitude of reasons why you know with insurance purposes I'm sure and you know them being around effects and the electricity and shit but it it just feels like you said I mean that you get some of those hard cutouts where you're just like uh and then it's it just it's a little yeah. it's like yeah, it just could have could have could have been a lot I just feel like that final punch could have just been a little bit harder I agree with you I think so too and I don't think it necessarily takes away from the entire film I just think no, no. you know you know not everything lands here Right in the very end, but you know, for the most part, we get our cool set piece on the roof. We get to fall in, you know, we get yep. Brenda, the damsel in distress kind of deal. So that works. Um, but yeah, we get the moment where Connor says, "Uh, uh what happens here?" He he fights and he gets the best of Kurgan. Yep, basically. Um, but like I do think, yeah, we we've we've the Kurgan's been told that, to us that he's this like unstoppable, unstoppable killing machine and like like the best of the best. And but then I think. Connor, the way he gets the best of him is like fine and all, but I think it could have been earned a little bit better. Like, show me more of a struggle here in this moment between him and Kurgan. More sword play. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Back it does forth. feel a little bit like it's Kurgan steps a little forward weak. and he gets him. Oh, I got you. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I get it though. Like, at some point, you know, his hubris, the Kurgan's so or, co cocky that at some point he's going to walk into. A mistake. Or do you think that like um, his neck, his neck wound was already uh, like yeah, Ramirez already weakened him? Yeah. And Connor just finished him off. Mm -hmm. So it's like they it did maybe... it together. Yeah. Double bubble. Yeah. Exactly. I, 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 because that's the way I saw it. It's like I mean, yes, it, it, it's not super well earned, but it, it sh I feel like it was not only Connor doing it, but it was like Ramirez and Connor doing it together. Yeah. That's cool. Anyway, so yeah, you know, he dies. Um, the sword play I think could have been a little bit better, but so you know, it's serviceable. It's 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 good enough. And he takes off his head, and then the Kurgan when he dies, there's this crazy like he's got a cr pretty crazy death, being that he's like almost the one and probably the most evil of them all. Mm -hmm. His body howls like the sound like like from the thing. Yeah, dude. Yes, it does. It almost sounds like, it. and there's like the same kind of blue light glowing out coming out of him, you know, like from that movie. Which is yeah, interesting because it's like this evil hell. It's like, yeah, and then Connor says, uh, "There can be only one," and all the glass behind him just blows up. The whole building just like, and he lifts in the air. Some aura demons like come out of Kurgan. I don't know what this is all about. Uh, maybe they go after him, or they. I don't know. He speaks uh, of the quickening mm -hmm. during this, like about it. I can't handle it. Weird. Yeah, he surges with power and sounds like he busted a nut. Honestly, doing it in my head. <laughs> like he's doing uh, And we see a, a blend of images flash on screen here. And there's a quick blink and you'll miss it, like shot of Connor's head exploding. Did you guys see it? I did. Yeah. It's like a quick bleep. 
And it's like just a quick moment where it's like the power, you know what I mean? Like of it, like it's almost like that, a, and it's not really like his head. It's almost his, like in like his mind. head. Yeah, it's like um, in his mind. Yeah, you almost see it's like you see it starting to explode, and then they cut away. You know? Okay. It's very quick though, and it's and then his body just like really falls down in, in the real world. You know what I mean? Like oh god, I didn't you know I didn't succumb to it. It's all in his, it's all yeah, it's in happening his in his head, yeah, and exactly. like but we're just getting that vision of it. Yeah. Yeah, because he like surges with power. Um. Yeah, and then he takes Brenda to Scotland, I guess, because that's what you do. Yep. And this is where this is where it all began. So, uh, and then she says something about, "Can you tell me about the prize? Um, you know, what was it?" And he kind of goes into he speaks on how it was like he's now like one with everything, how he can kind of help the world. I guess maybe he could read the world's mind in a sense. Um, I don't know. He because we can hear Ramirez here kind of speaking to him too, um, about his new ability and how he will use it. You know, well. We get a glimpse at their friendship. I don't know. It's like almost like a Force ghost to speak on Star Wars a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Star Wars in this. Actually, yeah, the, 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 <laughs> yeah there there is sort of like a force per se between the immortals. Um, you know, something yeah. that they're absorbing, a feeling um of each other. Oh, I went. Do you think that the Kurgan speaks to him every once in a while? Oh man, he's like, I could have got you, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I broke your toilet. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i don't know and then yeah like we mentioned connor can now have a family and i don't know the end of the film is him kissing brenda on the hills of scotland where it all began yep and it's a romantic ending. ending i know you like yeah. those john no, i love it love and it cue more queen queen kicks in here again can't have more queen i mean no never yeah you can't hate on more queen i mean at their height too like because queen yeah, was like the shit back then this is peak and like you mentioned earlier you said uh Flash Gordon didn't do well, but it has nothing to do with their their soundtrack for that movie. No, it's not so because it's of Queen. Ass. No, so Queen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and to be honest, I, I've never seen. I don't Flash know that Gordon's... this film did that well, honestly, either. Did it? Like, this is more of a. Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to talk. I'm actually okay, going to yeah. talk about that right now. All right, so we'll, we'll but, get into the uh, review yeah, then. Yeah. Um. Well, why don't you, oh, Heidelberg? This is your film. Why don't you talk yeah, about? Yeah, break down our how review about scale it. here. For the, uh, well, uh, explain our our uh, rating system first. Why don't mm -hmm. we do that first, and then exactly? Give I'm gonna rate. I'm gonna break it down for you guys in case this is your first time listening, or in case you. Hey, real quick for the first time listeners, will you just break down our rating scale so we can? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Perfect. Oh, my bad. You're playing on the thing. Okay. Uh yeah. <laughs> Rob, because Rob just repeated what I just said. <laughs> anyway, uh yeah. Uh, rating scale is from let's from top to bottom. We'll go instant classic, the best you can have. Buy it, rent it, watch the trailer, and then never ever watch this shit. Uh, so far, we and haven't had a never and if ever you watch really this love shit. A film, you can pool hall junkies it. Yeah, there's a there's a pool hall junkies level that's above instant class. It's a, it's basically a made up tier where you can just make up whatever you want. You know what I mean? And that happens a lot here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just make up whatever. Just say whatever you want, and just yeah, it's fine. So anyway, uh, let's find out where Highlander lands in that rating system. I'll go first. Here's some pros for you guys. Uh, this is just such a fantastic premise of a film, I think. Uh, the film just sets up the lore of this world pretty well. And I just love how the immortals work. Um, it all just works pretty well. There's a there's a bunch that we've had to just like kind of theorize on. And I kind of like that, that. The film doesn't necessarily tie it all in in one film. Um, and to be honest, the sequels aren't that good. Uh, I, I don't even remember the third one. The second one I know is not that good. But maybe it's a so good now it's better kind of film. I mean, a so bad it's kind of good film nowadays. I don't know. I didn't love it. 
Uh, but what I do love is the soundtrack by Queen. It's fucking epic. Just epic. You said the way it's worked into where it's sort of worked in even during the quiet moments where more instrumental stuff going on, but they're using Queen still back there to tie it all in. I love that. And I love the moments of actual like Queen, like hearing the lyrics during the moments of the song uh, of the movie. Like they, they pair perfectly too, you know? Um, yeah. The sound design also, I think, was awesome. Uh, really well. I used my gaming headset the second time I watched this today, and the sound effects are just great, like really Fuck good. Yeah, they are. For an older film, they just really this the sword clashing and the atmospheric stuff. It all works really well. And then when the music kicks in, you're just like, damn, yeah, I'm fucking here. Yeah, this shit. I love the action and the sword play. Um, I think the cinematography also is really good. Some really great edits and transitions. Um, in this film we've talked about tonight. Um. I really liked a lot of that stuff. It's it's like a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. But if you're into that kind of stuff, like you pick up on it. Um, this is what makes really good films. I feel like this is what ties a film in to be like a great project. All these little things, score, you know, framing, cinematography, these little cuts and stuff like that. That's what makes a cool film. The set pieces also make for a great film. And I think there's some really good ones here. The battles are varied. Uh it's pretty cool. We go from castles in Skyland to parking garages in New York City. So we get around here a good bit um, in the film. And I like it. It's all mostly done pretty well, practically. Uh, I enjoy the character of Connor McLeod, his interactions throughout history, especially his and uh, Ramirez's uh, relationship. I enjoy the most. Um, yeah. I wish we got more of Connor's um, interactions throughout history. And like we get Rachel, but that's like, not really expounded upon. Um, I mm-hmm. wish if you were going to go that route, then then show me more Rachel moments. Then, uh, you like, know, do, we could, it's the directing cut. Doing a two, doing a two and a half hour cut then of Highlander. Yeah, had we had we not had like a, a few things War War that two, we then. thought were kind of a little, a little yeah. weird, we could have had like more time with Rachel. And we show me had more time with Castigar. Yeah, those are the two right there where I think you could have showed me more of that. You know, for sure, uh, and flesh out Connor's character a little bit more. Um, cause it's weird. They go down that Avenue, but then cut away too. They don't exactly, they give it to you a little bit with the party and then with world war two, but we don't actually ever stay there long. And the party doesn't even make sense. Cause we never even see Castigar there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, for the most part, I enjoyed Connor's, um, uh, character though. I think Clancy Brown also kind of steals the show as Kurrigan, uh, Kurrigan. I mean, uh, he's just iconic to me. He's such a great villain, you know. I know he doesn't yeah. have a lot to work with Clancy Brown here, but he does a good amount with what he do- does have uh, for his character. And I remember it, you know, to this day since I was a young kid, it stuck with me. I oh, do have some cons though. Uh, visually, there are some dark moments in the film. There's a couple moments that are just bathed in darkness that don't hold up as well. And I got this in 4K. I, 4K didn't blow me away, to be honest. This is not one of those older films where the re- the remaster just like really stands out. I don't know that this is. That much better than, say, a Blu-ray, but um, you know, it looks good, uh, especially the Scotland moments and this those ce- those scenic moments look really great. Um, it's a little long. The pacing is also just a little off in some of the places. I think. Um, I think there may be too many flashbacks too, or maybe the flashbacks just the film just needs to tighten it up a little bit, be mm-hmm. a little bit tightened in. Uh, some of the sword fighting felt a little stiff. We mentioned it. <clears throat> Here and there, you know, it's just it's a movie about sword fighting. So the the stuff that is really good is cool. But there's some moments where it's a little stiff. But I think we cut it some bail because it's just a cool premise. 
Right. Uh, so, and then some of the actors are doing sort stuff a little bit better than others. So they're carrying it, you know, like Clancy Brown's character. I also don't love the romantic bits between Brenda and Nash. And it's not because that I don't like romantic moments. I just think they just don't feel earned. Um, it happens too quickly, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, and then he takes her to Scotland. Like, I do like that moment. Like, oh, he took her to Scotland. He had a moment with her. That's fine. But her relationship with him was just not built up. You know what I mean? Is this? Do you think it maybe it's because it's the first woman who's shown him any interest in 400 years? No, I mean, it's fine. I think. I think it's because you guys are just heartless. No, I mean, I'm not saying down with their relationship. I'm just saying like, (laughs) yeah, yay for them. But, you know. No, I know. I'm just joking around. No, you're you're right. I get it. You know, he just sweeps her off her feet. Like, I get it. Like, she survived something with him or whatever. Like, I get that. But other than that, they don't know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's busted a nut for like 400 years. Yeah. So he really just like took no him. nut November a little serious. He should have flew out. Of, <laughs> like when they made love, he would have flew out of the window. Oh, <laughs> um, there's only yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um. Yeah, so those those are just some of the things I just didn't I didn't I didn't love about the film. It's not a perfect film by any means, but uh, so yeah. With all that said, I'm still gonna give Highlander a buy it. This is a buy it for me. Uh, I just like Highlander. It's it's got classic status in my opinion. It's not an instant classic though, um, but it's definitely a great film that I hold pretty dear throughout history, my history, and then. It's just a cool title. I'm uh, definitely curious to see what they do with uh, a remake that's supposedly coming out. And also, it makes me curious to maybe check out the show, even though like at the time when it aired, I was sort of like I just I was just sort of like, ah, it looks corny. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? It might. I, I, when I was reading in more about it because of this episode, um, I was like, oh, there's some lore stuff really that they just expounded upon, too, about the the um, the lore behind these these immortals and like their system. So that is interesting to me. Um, so yeah, so uh, solid. Uh, just buy it for me, uh, Rob. What about you? Uh, yeah. So uh, just just quickly, um, I want to just talk about how it, it, this doesn't not this doesn't play into my rating in any way. But you know, the film was a flop. Um, it didn't even come close to uh, making its money back. Uh, but like many of the films that we've talked about, uh, that we've discussed over over the course of the last few months. Uh, it has found its audience uh, to the point where, you know, there's obviously several sequels to the film. There's a, a long running TV series, an animated series, and has developed a very strong cult following with, you know, then there's conventions and people dress oh, up. Oh, yeah, in cosplay, there's an animated. Like, I forgot about that. Yeah. And people dress up in cosplay of, of Highlander. Like they just they love people love this fucking movie and series mm-hmm. and. Uh, so obviously that's important to this um i just have to say like uh so i'm at a i'm at a buy it slash instant classic i love mm-hmm. this film i think getting queen was a uh was a, a breath of genius and especially because you have michael Kamen who is working working with queen to incorporate their their soundtrack and their music and queen definitely they went all out they weren't just like they weren't phoning in like some performance like oh yeah we'll do a couple songs eh, whatever yeah whatever and it because you can tell that they cared about the project 
And then you have a guy like Michael Kamen, who's done these other great scores in films, and he is utilizing that, and they're working off each other, and that obviously that helps the it film. It sets the tone for the film. Absolutely. Uh, but then you have actors who are who give a shit. Christopher Lambert, who clearly took this role seriously. I mean, he worked tirelessly to get this right. He, uh, yeah, he's a French actor. He didn't speak fucking English at the start of this film, but he worked to get the English language dialogue as best as he could. Uh, and then obviously you have you know ha- you have a, a, a an aging great like Sean Connery on the back end of his career. And then you have a great villain in Clancy Brown playing the Kurgan. And but then we also have like what makes this film great is that just based off this, I've never seen the TV series or any of the other sequels or anything like that. But we are looking at like we're asking questions like, oh, there's like I would like to see more of this or more of that. Well, how does this work? So clearly that means that this film has done something to us where we're we're curious and we want to know more. And not because the film has made it like uh, they didn't know what they were doing or it was just this crazy, ambiguous film. It's just more like we just like what's happening. And right. so, yeah, with that, I got to go buy it slash instant classic. It makes me want to watch more. I want to watch this film again and I want to know more. And hell, I actually have ideas based off of this film that I want to like write down and maybe turn into something. Oh, yeah. A little fanfic from Rob. And no, n- no pervertedness. This is <laughs> it. <laughs> and well, then Ramirez wrapped his peacock shawl around yeah. Connors and they embraced <laughs> and kissed in the boat. Uh, but John, <laughs> how are you feeling about this film, buddy? Me? Yeah. Um, there's really not a whole lot of fresh to add to what you guys have said. Um, it's the we, only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've talked about it. It was, it was a great performance, right? Uh, Lambert was a beast. Love the villain. The villain is 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 amazing. Um, anytime you get, I, I you know me, I'm a sucker for Sean Connery. You get him in anything, and I just I I like it. Um, obviously, it's a it's a it's a wild story. You know what I mean? That the the can't hammer home enough the lore. How how much you can kind of dig in as much as you want and accept it and and try and see other stuff and the the stuff that it's kind of spurned off of. I think is also testament to that. Um, just lots of really cool concepts to pull from, you know, we had, uh, as, as far as cons go, I mean, r- really other than like we said, the, the, the really bad doubles that are blatant. Yeah. And even in that final shot, uh, I didn't really talk about it a whole lot, but in that final shot, when he's hanging from the wire and the mid, like the wire is just like so obliviously there. And it's like the, the lightning is coming in around him, but you know, other than those those few things, there's really not a whole lot of bad to 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 say about it. Love the story, you know. Um, think it went great. So for me, this is a solid buy it. Nice. So we got two buy its and a buy it slash instant classic. Well, right. what are we doing next week, John? It's your pick, it. right, John? Oh, is it? <clears throat> That's right. Yeah, we'll be doing a a little uh, Antonio Banderas film called. The Thirteenth Warrior. Ah, the Thirteenth Warrior, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, it's gonna be a real dope time. It's a it's a flick that I used to watch with my dad all the time. So uh, it's gonna be cool. Can't wait to talk about it. It's gonna be. Yeah, I'm good. looking forward to it. I've never seen it, yeah. so I'm looking based forward on a to Michael it. Crichton book too. Yeah, so that's cool. I'm excited. Our first Michael Crichton movie. Yeah, that'll be fun. So, um, 
Um, you guys, uh, you guys are into some other things uh, as well outside of cinema goes, I, I believe, right? Yes, uh, John, true. on the yeah, weekends guess, and yeah. uh, during the weekday, you uh, you do something with video games, right? I do. Uh, Twitch.tv slash kinetic onslaught spelled hmm. weird. Yes, uh, I play retro video games, NES specifically, uh, crushing through that library. Uh, since Final Fantasy 3, we've banged out four different NES games. So just wow. to give you a fucking uh, idea of, of, of the mammoth behemoth game that Final Fantasy 3 was. Uh, so for those, we uh, we got through a bunch of Color Dreams games, uh, Captain Comic, uh, Master Chew and the Drunkard Hugh, Gunsmoke, <laughs> Rygar. Oh, uh, Rygar yeah, was a bad. I like Rygar. Rygar was a bad. I like the remake that came out on like PS2, I think. Yeah, dude, Rygar is a Rygar was dope. Um, and also, uh, Disney's Adventure in Magic Kingdom was a wild game. You like go around. Is that a like... Color Dreams game? No, that one is not. The fir- only the first two were. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Master Chew and the Drunkard Hugh and uh, that, that that game sucks, but I Captain, like it. Captain Captain Comic. Honestly, it wasn't that it wasn't as bad as Captain Comic. Captain Comic. I'm was... impressed though. That's only a couple, you know, a little while past, and here you are, just crushing them. Dude, I, I'm I'm noticing that you kind of like the more you play these, the the, yeah, the more the you kind of you can get in there and you kind of just it's I don't know, it's hard to explain. You just get in that NES vibe and you kind of know what they want you to do. You get you get in you get in the vein and like you're you're just like you're in the zone like you just you know what to do yeah, yeah dude you're just locked that's in cool. yeah. all right that's awesome but uh, uh wow. Berg oh I believe you talk about uh scary films with other people I do I do I talk I talk about scary films uh horror films um, <laughs> on a cut above yeah I know you don't like them John <laughs> uh but you have you watch occasionally here and there a horror adjacent film. Um, Every now and then, I'll I'll did. dabble. Uh huh. You did for me when you came on my show, a cut above horror review. Um, it's a show where each week we pick, uh, John, Jacqueline, and myself, uh, pick a film and rate and review them, much like this show. <clears throat> Sometimes we do some themed months. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun time. So you could ha- you could check us out on any of the podcatchers, anyway you get podcasts. We're on Instagram at a cut above one word that horror underscore review, on uh, X at cut above horror. And on Facebook at a cut above horror review. Uh, Rob, you also, I believe, have a podcast of sorts. Yes. Yes, I do. Actually, I uh, I'm on something called Circle of Jerks podcast. Hmm. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, we do a weekly live stream every Tuesday called Nocturnal Transmissions, uh, where we talk about all sorts of stuff. Now, you know, the news stuff that we find interesting. Uh, thought exercises and we also do like kind of a week a short like weekly movie review and we have a theme every month currently we are in our um it's not what you think type of films uh month and uh yeah we've been doing stuff like uh uh one cut of the dead we've done breakfast at tiffany's uh primal fear you know so we're, we're doing all sorts of stuff like that over there and then we're gonna do our uh we're gonna come up with our I think our next month is going to be Rise of the Machines month. So we're going to all do oh, stuff cool. with like androids and all, all sorts of shit. It's going to be awesome. Sounds sounds cool. Uh, but yeah, you can find us on, on YouTube. You can find us on Instagram, Circle of Jerks Podcast. On X, you can find us at Podcast COJ. Uh, we also have a letterbox at Podcast COJ there. 
uh, where I'm I'm always like adding films to that as well. Just not necessarily that we're always doing on our show, but uh, it's just stuff that I'm watching. That's kind of like it's it's my letterbox slash the podcast letterboxed. And then uh, if you want to reach out to me personally, I'm at Robo Rice. Nice. Uh, so, and if the listeners wanted to check out more Cinemigos on uh, social media, where could they find us? Uh, you can find us on X at Tres Cinemigos, T-R-E-S-C-I-N-E-M-I-G-O-S. Uh, you can also find us on Letterboxd, Cinemigos. All the films that we have released, they're up there with our aggregate score, as well as a link to the episode. And we'd love your interaction there as well. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you can catch us on Instagram at Cinemigos, one word, underscore podcast as well as on Facebook at The Cinemigos. And if you ever wanted to write in, uh, like tonight, or whatever on tonight's episode, uh, you can share an email with us at thecinemigospodcast at gmail.com. And with that, I'll sign us out. Father, forgive me. I am a worm. (laughs) I have something to say. It's better to burn out than to fade away. your badges badges we ain't got no badges we don't need no badges i don't have to show you any stinking badges <laughs>